Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit WorldAfropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. WorldAfropedia.com. Bailey Davis was a sensation, a cheerleader for the New Orleans Saints football team. That is, until she posted a photo of herself in a one-piece outfit on her private Instagram account. The Saints fired her for breaking rules that prohibit cheerleaders on the team from appearing nude, semi-nude, or in lingerie. And that's not all she was prohibited from doing. Cheerleaders for the Saints have to leave parties or restaurants if players are there, and they can't have players follow them on social media. The company says it's to stop them from being preyed on by players players, but the men don't have the same obligations. Davis filed a complaint with the Equal Opportunity Employment Commission against both the NFL and the Saints, and she joins us now to talk about it. Hello. Hey, guys. So what were you wearing exactly? I was wearing a lace bodysuit. I'd actually worn it before with jeans as an outfit, so I can see where they would think it was lingerie, but I was not posing for a lingerie photo shoot, even though that's not the actual issue. Right. Tell us what, in your view, the actual issue is. So the players have the freedom to post whatever they want to on social media. They can promote themselves, but we can't post anything on our social media about being a sensation. We can't have it in our profile picture. We can't use our last name for media. We can't promote ourselves, but the players don't have the same restrictions. And so your suit is basically alleging uh, discrimination. Right, that we have different rules and we are held to different standards than the football players. Is it sexist or is it just different rules for different categories of employees? You know, ultimately, football and cheerleading are gendered. The football players have a different job than us, and I completely understand that. But as far as being in the same place as a player and me being the one that has to be careful about where I'm at and watch out for them, that's so discriminating. And also the fact that if I post something that I'm in a swimsuit or in a bodysuit, it's seen as something sexual. But the players can post shirtless in their underwear, and it's just seen as athletic. 
Let me understand this correctly. So let's say you walk into a restaurant and there's a player from the Saints there. He doesn't have to leave the restaurant, but you would. Right. If I'm there first, I would still have to leave. And that's not just Saints players. That's any NFL team or NBA. So anybody from the Pelicans could walk in and I would have to leave or I would be fired. You would have to recognize a whole lot of players. <laughs> right. I mean, thousands. May I ask you why you became a cheerleader? You know, most cheerleaders, as we now understand, get minimum wage. Many squads have had to get uh, only that through lawsuits. But you are athletes as well, as you just mentioned. Uh, when you joined, did these rules seem fair? I kind of wanted to be a sensation as a stepping stone into my dance career because I knew there was a four-year cap on it. But by my third year, and I knew I had to start looking for another job in the dance world, I wanted to start promoting myself more. And there was no rule that I couldn't have my page public for people to find me. And so then when they said, well, you need to make your page private so these players can't find you, that's when I realized, okay, you're making it harder for people to find me and for me to find another job as a dancer because social media is how we market ourselves nowadays. What has been the response of your uh, fellow teammates to your suit? My fellow teammates have not been supportive to me. I've been told that I'm putting the team in a negative light. And then a lot of the girls have been posting stuff on social media saying that, you know, the organization is great and opportunity offers so many opportunities, which is true. And I mean, I was the same way when I was in the organization. We're told so many times, there's a hundred other girls that would do your job for free. You're just taught to keep your mouth shut or they would replace you. And so I think when you're in the organization, you don't realize that there's nothing okay about this. Bailey Davis, former sensation. Thank you so very much. Thank y'all. What's the guy's name on the TV who's... Um, Morning Joe. Huh? Scarborough, okay. Now, do you know, what is Joe? Coffee. And who is Joe? Oh, Black Joe. I got. I mean, that's why Starbucks is a billionaire company. I gotta be putting some of that black stuff in. I can't get started. If somebody were to say to Joe Scarborough, "You're talking about taking in old black Joe," I remember in the Second World War, my dad was in the war. We, why do you call it Joe? Dad said it stands for old black Joe. See, that was the most important thing in the Army, your coffee. Morning Joe, you know, right? See, all of this stuff is connected. And this is why I was afraid, white fear. I was afraid of the black man. International story, but a homegrown company. By now, we talked about yesterday, uh, following the viral arrest of two African-American men in uh, Philadelphia, Starbucks now, has announced uh, just hours ago that they will close all coffee shops on May 29th for unconscious bias training. Also, the 911 call from the Starbucks manager in Philadelphia just out is uh, two men sat there. They didn't order anything. In fact, one man was waiting for the other. And uh, didn't order anything. They were asked to leave. They didn't purchase anything. 
And they decide to sit right there because you're waiting for a friend. And the next thing you know, the police are called and arrests are made. And the Philadelphia Police Department uh, did not apologize yesterday. Anyway, listen to this 911 call. Philadelphia Police, Avenue 363, how may I help you? Hi, I have two gentlemen in my cafe that are refusing to make a purchase or leave. Um, I'm at the Starbucks at 18th and Spruce. There you go. So the police showed up. They arrested these men. These men seemed to not do anything wrong. Well, they did ask to use the restroom. There you go. Things. Yeah, asked to use the restroom. And uh, then the African-American uh, uh, police chief came out and defended the uh, Philadelphia Police Department. So join us right now from the University of Washington, Professor Anthony Greenwald. He specializes in unconscious and uh, implicit uh, cognition, prejudice, and stereotypes. He has a book out called Blind Spot, Hidden Biases of Good People. Professor, thank you so much for stopping by. What is unconscious bias, anyway? Well, unconscious bias or implicit bias, this is attitudes and stereotypes that influence your perceptions and your judgments without your being aware of it. You may not even know that you possess these biases. Yeah. So what do you think happened at the Starbucks? Well, I think this is probably a perfect example. The manager made a judgment or a decision that these two African-American customers were, in some sense, uh, undesirable people, almost certainly she wouldn't have made that judgment had they been white. Of course, we don't know that. But what she did is probably something that others would have thought about doing or done themselves, and many people would have done this. This is probably a normal kind of behavior, uh, sad to say. And so here's the thing where it gets sticky. Does that make her a racist? I don't consider this racism. I think racism is deliberate, malevolent, wishing bad things to happen to people uh, of a different race from you. I don't see any reason to attribute that to the manager. So I guess my follow-up to that would be, does every person, regardless of ethnicity, carry a suite of these unconscious biases through their life? Well, I do, and uh, if you would take uh, implicit association tests, you might find that you do. So I actually, I don't know that I'd say everyone, but I'd say a great many people, many more than we would suspect, do possess these biases. Hmm. Where do they come from? They come from our culture. Uh, We live in a culture, and most other people in the world live in cultures that perpetuate stereotypes. These have been around for a long time. Of course, the long history of slavery in American society is partly responsible for this. So let me ask you this. Professor Anthony Greenwald joins us right now from the University of Washington, and uh, he specializes in unconscious bias. And we're talking about what happened at at Starbucks. Starbucks said, hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to shut the doors on May 29th, and we're going to do some unconscious bias training. Will that help? Well... Uh, They're going to lose some money by shutting the doors for a while, uh, and probably they're paying something to people to do this. And unfortunately, uh, this may not produce any desirable effect. Starbucks would be wise to check out the scientific evidence on training and implicit bias. It appears to be the right thing to do, 
But this training has not been shown to be effective by researchers, and it's even been found sometimes to be counterproductive. So it's going to appear that Starbucks is doing the right thing, but there's actually no reason to believe that the, change, that the training will change anything. Mm. So what do you do? I, it's a little more difficult to do. I think companies uh, and police departments and hospitals and others that produce disparities that result from implicit biases need to monitor their operations and find out where their operations are producing different impact on the African-Americans or the Hispanics uh, that they serve or the Muslims that they serve compared to the European-Americans or whites that they serve. Almost every organization, unfortunately, is going to find some evidence of those disparities. When you give people this, the test that you spoke of, and then they finally realize they have these, how many people can just change it like a light bulb switch? Uh, the answer to that is approximately zero. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Takes some time, doesn't it? And you have to be willing to be open and say, yeah, I have these biases in my life, don't you? Uh, well, it actually, it, it's even not correct to say that it takes a time because we don't know from research of an effective method. The way to eliminate effects of implicit biases is just not give them a chance to operate. So, for example, there was a time in the 1970s when symphony orchestras in the United States started giving blind auditions uh, meaning that the audition committee could not see the musicians uh, who were performing. All of a sudden, the percentage of female instrumentalists hired to orchestras jumped. Hmm. Uh, this, this was a device for not letting implicit biases, in this case, a stereotype that associates male gender with virtuos virtuous musicianship, not letting those stereotypes operate. It's not so easy to do as that in a lot of situations, but there are things that can be done. Oh. Professor Greenwell, I bet you're, you are fascinating to me. I bet your classes are packed, aren't they? Uh, well, I, I wish the undergraduates thought as much of me as you do. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go buy your book now. Yeah. This is really interesting uh, stuff. Yeah. Check out Blind Spot, Hidden uh, Biases of Good People. Thank you so much for stopping by and spending okay, a few moments with us. You're very welcome. All right, there goes uh, Professor Greenwald right there. Context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Thursday, April 19th, 2018. So I have been told this is our weekly broadcast on neutralizing workplace racism uh, if we have any listeners in the audience black people non-white people you have a fantastic job you get all of your raises bonuses you get vacation time sick leave personal days if you have you know a child or what have you and you have to take you know if something should happen you have to run and get them from school uh, an emergency of some sort no problem take the rest of the day come in tomorrow and everything is grand if you are in that position you think hey i can just put my feet up and enjoy this wonderful position until i'm ready to retire you should be one of the first folks to dial in 
and let us know how you did it so that we can copy your quote unquote success. The number 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Certainly, if we have any folks, non-white people, black people, if you're having problems on the job, you're being mistreated and you would like counter racist suggestions uh, about your situation, maybe some things that you can do to help solve this problem. Certainly, dial in. We'll offer some of our thoughts, views uh, on how you can deal with the problem. If you have thoughts on any of uh, what you hear, the commentary that's shared on the broadcast, you can feel free to dial in uh, the number again, 641 715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. You can certainly drop an email. Some folks already wrote in situations that they wanted to address. Uh, my email, untiljustice at gmail.com. People certainly, you know, I use other social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook and what have you, Twitter at Until Justice. Uh, you can, you know, certainly message there, but uh, I don't tend to track those as closely during the program. It's hard to watch all of those and manage the callers and everything else. My email, I, I tend, it's easier. I'll have that up on a, on a tab. So the email is best for during the broadcast. If you want to share something live, Until Justice at gmail.com. If you have a situation, you can write in and I'll read your commentary on the air. Or if you have uh, suggestions yourself about what you hear on the broadcast, you can email. I will share on the air. Uh, quickly, before we get to workplace racism, <laughs> woo, of course, we couldn't have a broadcast in 2018 without getting a yoga story from Gus T. We were supposed to have a broadcast yesterday uh, with a white woman on yoga and racism. That did not happen. It's supposed to be Wednesday, April 18th. That did not happen uh, because uh, major conflict erupted at my Tuesday morning yoga class uh, with a race soldier, white woman, uh, and myself. Uh, huge conflict uh, disrupted the entire class. Uh, it would take an entire separate broadcast to explain uh, everything that happened uh, during the course of the event and the subsequent turnout. Uh, the thing that I had a, a tremendous chuckle about, I'll tell you that later, but uh, oh, I will explain everything that happened in detail gleefully uh, later, but it would have to be a full broadcast. But just we were supposed to be on yesterday. That event was so stressful and ongoing and required time and, you know, just lots of uh, time and energy uh, to neutralize a racist white woman uh, that I had to reschedule the broadcast for yesterday. And as I said, that will be a separate broadcast to explain the eruption that took place at class that concluded with Gus having to raise his voice and successfully use his words to get a white man to restrain a white woman at a yoga class. 
Woo! Context of white supremacy. Non-related yoga issues back to neutralizing workplace racism. The two audio segments that we started with on the broadcast today, uh, the first one, the cheerleader situation, now that was not uh, racism, white supremacy. Bailey Davis is a white woman, suspected racist, uh, blonde, suspected racist, like no confusion. But I thought that uh, segment was important. And the reason that I included it uh, in our segment, uh, the power of white women in the workplace. Now, when they talk about, quote unquote, discrimination in the workplace, they will throw in people like Bailey Davis and say, oh, see, she's catching it bad. See, they're mistreating her. Look at all the black male privilege might even be. I'm surprised he didn't say it. All those uh, NFL players, mostly black males, they got all that black male privilege. They can go where they want and post what they want on social media. They don't have to worry about all this. And, you know, we can't use social media to market ourselves and all of that. I would be willing to wager a substantial amount that Bailey Davis is going to be successful uh, in this lawsuit to say, oh, yeah, they are guilty of what they call discrimination. And I don't know if she's seeking uh, financial compensation for what they did or change in uh, policy or both. But I think she's going to be successful. I would be I'm much more confident in her uh, EEOC grievance uh, in her suit as opposed to a black person pursuing uh, a case of workplace discrimination on, on the basis of saying I was mistreated on the basis of racism, white supremacy. I think she's going to be very successful. I also thought it was super important and relative uh, to non-white people, black people in the workplace. That last segment, when they asked her about how her colleagues and fellow cheerleaders, how supportive have they been? And she said, not at all. You know, they've posted, you know, things on social media saying that the saints are great and, you know, bashing me and saying that I'm bringing bad attention uh, to the team and that I'm, you know, just making it difficult uh, for others. That's exactly, exactly what victims of white supremacy should expect. Uh, no support uh, that the other non-white people are not going to congratulate you or help you in your counter-racist endeavor. In fact, they might, you know, call you names. They might be sitting around you. You're the biggest coon in the office. I can't believe you can sit around and take notes and, you know, tell Jane and Ted that you're not going to go out to lunch with us. That might be exactly uh, what happens. Uh, that might be the exact response of the non-white coworkers. You go about the business of codification, and my recommendation would be to expect that and to not get angry with them either. Continuing the second clip, even before I get to the second clip on Starbucks, man, woo! Grandsister Dr. Francis Cress Welsing. So much audio, man, can can at times seem like she is right with us today, talking currently about things that happened. I was so glad to. I uh, recall that she had addressed Starbucks coffee situation specifically, and I actually could have taken my pick because she also talked about their tacky campaign in 2015 and Starbucks headquarters in Seattle. I forgot to say that right where Gusty is. Uh, Starbucks 
did that tacky campaign in 2015 where they were going to talk about racism. I was thinking the whole time it would seem to me they should have maybe had that training back in 2015. Like I would not want my employees going out having conversations about racism with random strangers if they have not even had in-house training about quote unquote racial bias. That was one of the first things that uh, came to mind. Incidentally, the yoga incident that Gus T had, I lied, I guess, slip in one more yoga comment. The end result was them also saying, we're going to have staff training to address how the situation was handled and what staff did not do correctly. Timing. Hmm. Anyway, the Starbucks situation, uh, tacky at best, even though they, I mean, you talk about refined. This is, I've talked about this for so many years, the Seattle refinement. The white, even though this situation happened in Philadelphia where these black males were uh, out of white fear, where these black males were arrested, the whites who operate and manage Starbucks, the franchise here in Seattle, I've talked about the refinement of whites here in Seattle, classic display. This program, Pete, I think a substantial number of black people would have a difficult time if you read some of the things that they're talking about in their quote-unquote racial bias plan. They got Sherilyn Eiffel. They got Brian Stevenson. Those two names alone, I think for a lot of black people would be like, wow, all of the work that Mr. Stevenson has done in getting black people out of greater confinement, death row, no less, who were unjustly incarcerated, some of them for decades, all this work that he's been doing for years, and Miss Eiffel, all the great work that she's done with the NAACP. I mean, wow. I mean, these are some extraordinary folks, not Neely Fuller Jr., but I mean, that's pretty weighty names. I think a lot of people would be very satisfied in them shutting down their store for a number of hours to train their employees. I agree with what you heard from Mr. Grinwall. I do not think this is going to solve any problems. I don't think they're going to give out any codified tips. As he said, it might even be counterproductive. And at minimum, I've just seen where whites, a lot of times they do these trainings and refine how they practice racism, white supremacy. Anywho, if folks have uh, commentary that they would like to share, feel free to dial in. We had some folks who uh, emailed. I will read one email commentary and I'll share the rest uh, for as we proceed in the program. My email again is untiljustice at gmail.com uh, if you have commentary that you want to uh, write in. But we had a couple folks uh, who dialed in or wrote in, sorry. First person uh, who wrote in uh, okay black male uh, I, the, the article you cited about stress in the workplace uh, being deleterious to black people was interesting. I'm retired after over 30 years in the civil service of a major northeast city. And thank God every day I made it to this point. My prime subjective was to survive. I'm just pausing in the victim's uh, commentary. This just reminds me of one of the most important points in Mr. Fuller's book. I remember when I actually read it. This was one when I first read Mr. Fuller's code book. Uh, a lot of it I'd heard him discuss in lectures, but this was one of the few points that I had not heard him discuss in lectures where he said that for victims of white supremacy, one of the things that we need to address is that we have come to value survival more than justice. 
and that that needs to be corrected. But he says that's what the system of white supremacy produces, where victims of white supremacy value survival more than justice and that that is not correct. Survival without justice devalues your survival, devalues your quality of life, which is exactly what white supremacy does. Continuing, my prime objective was to survive. I knew black people who went out of their way to impress either their white superiors or other victims of racism. And in every instance, they either died before retirement or shortly thereafter. I own my own home. I own land in the South, travel abroad every year, and I live comfortably. My income consists of a decent pension plus Social Security, the value of which is doubled by the fact that I don't have to deal with racists to get it. My advice to any young black male is to live a sober and frugal life and to put at least as much effort in choosing your mate as you do in seeking promotions on some job. Turmoil in your home plus racism on the job is a recipe for premature death and the racists know this. I had the good fortune to marry a Southern woman who wasn't about the foolishness. <laughs> I brought home more money than any of my managers because they were paying alimony and or child support. This broadcast is invaluable, invaluable to black people and I listen to it regularly. Much obliged. Hope the cows is worthy of your time and energy. I definitely support uh, being frugal. And even just uh, to, to go with what he said, I think uh, the conversation that we had last week where people were talking about on the job, there were quite a few metaphors invoked uh, during throughout the broadcast by a number of folks. But uh, at various points, just going on the job and being as kind as you possibly can to white people, laughing at all of their jokes or many of them, being as social as you can, smiling, socializing, going out to lunch, going to Christmas parties, doing all of those things so that you can get your promotion. The point of emphasis that I have with all of that is if you think that doing all of that is going to get you your promotions, get you all of the raises and bonuses that you want, and you'll have no problems with racism, white supremacy, you are mistaken. We wouldn't have this broadcast if all black people had to do is go on the job and be nice to white people, laugh at their jokes, go out to dinner or lunch or whatever other extracurricular activities they offer, and then you'll be fine on the job. There would be no need for a neutralizing workplace racism broadcast. And I'm real sure a number of you all listening to this broadcast have tried that, including Gus T., and you still end up getting smacked, hammered, punched, headlocked, raped, molested by racists. So even if you employ that on the job, if that is your counter racist code, you are still going to need to be codified because racists are going to be racists. Whether you smile, whether you eat with them, you hang out with them, you laugh at their jokes or remain mute. Birds chirp. Dogs bark, white people practice racism. I think codification, and just to make sure that we are explicit, clear, when I say codification, particularly within a workplace context, I mean solving problems in the best possible manner, the most efficient possible manner, without creating any new problems. What is the best possible way 
that I can accomplish this task, solve this problem? What is the best possible way that I can do it? And then doing it that way every single time until I find a better way of doing it. And then I do it that way. That's what codification means. Figuring out what's the best code to how to deal with I've been asked to go out for lunch. What's the best code for how to deal with having uh, a, a non-white person or a white person being rude to you on the job? What's the best way to deal with each and every single one of these problems that will work out to my benefit? I think that would benefit every single non-white person. And again, you just apply it to your specific situation, your specific understanding of counter-racist logic. I think that is exactly what we need to do to solve this problem. Just going to work and thinking being nice to white people and that's going to work out for us. You are incorrect. And I think you will be in for a surprise. And again, I think many of us have already tried that. Tragically. Number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564 nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate folks who dialed in with a hand up uh if you have commentary uh, if you have your own situation you would like to share uh line should be open feel free to chime in good evening guys Greetings, Thomas in New York. Greetings to you, sir. Um, yeah, I had a few things I wanted to add this week. Um, first, the Starbucks. You know, I'm already boycotting the NFL and um, college sports because of that 13th Amendment ruling or, or, or um, stance they're taking. Um, and so Starbucks is easy for me. I, I don't like coffee anyway. And I'm just really mad because um, I was at the mall about two weeks ago, and I was extremely thirsty. And the only thing they had in there was a Starbucks, and I paid three, three something for a little iced tea lemonade that was so nasty. I'm just mad I ever spent any money in there. Uh, that was my second or third time ever going there. Um, I, did you do, um, did you play any other clips other than the Starbucks clip before the show? I called in about ten minutes late. I played a clip before the Starbucks segment. It was uh, Bailey. Uh, it's a white female. She was a cheerleader for the New Orleans Saints. She's filed a EEOC uh, grievance uh, alleging discrimination, uh, saying that the male football, speaking of football, that the male football players, mostly black, that they are not subjected to the same punitive rules that the cheerleaders are. And that's what her suit is about that I think she's going to be successful with. Got you, got you. Well, I have um, an update, sort of, um, to a story that was reported on, I think, during the Saturday compensatory calling. However, it was a work-related um, incident, and it's coming from, what is this, the Kansas City Star? Kansas City firefighter has been reinstated, but his N-word rant at Hooters was worse than we knew. This was the guy, who, the firefighter, who spit on a little kid and called him a nigger. Um, did you see, see any the update to this stuff? I, I didn't see the update about him being reinstated. Yeah, I'm just going to read a little, very small amount. 
Um, remember the Kansas City firefighter charged with spitting on a three-year-old at Overland Park Hooters and calling the child the N-word. He's already gotten his job back. His lawyers say ahead of his trial next month for battery, assault, and disorderly contact, conduct. Yet according to the child's family, what happened that night was even worse than we knew from the initial story. The child's grandfather, Raymond L. Harris, says the firefighter not only called him the N-word, two, he also threatened to shoot him. Then, according to the boy's uncle, Michael Mitchell, the restaurant manager called the police, not to report the spitter and slurrer, mind you, but to report his family. The manager kicked him out instead of the firefighter. And while Mitchell stayed behind and settled up, the rest of the party fled in fear without even pausing to grab their untouched babe birthday cake despite it having done nothing wrong. Um, so it was, a, it was a little bit more to that story than um, initially reported. And um, I'm just I'm shocked. Well, not shocked. I'm, I'm appalled that this racist got his job back. Like I said before, he's making life or death decisions. I, I would not want him to be a firefighter in my city. Um, so, and also, I don't know why this white family, I mean, black family, would take a three-year-old to Hooters. That didn't sound too logical to me. Um, my own workplace racism, I'm having a problem now with packages. Um, so every day I got to deliver the mail to everyone, including the lady who constantly is harassing me. Um, now, until I got the hang of things, I was disrespected and belittled every day because she doesn't want you to deliver any client mail to her. Now, mind you, she's the secretary to the owner, so he gets the most mail that comes in his name. I have to individually open each piece, look it up, find out who it belongs, who, what, going through the system, find out who was the last accountant working on it because he doesn't practice anymore, and um, allocate that to the person that, that that goes to, which takes about a half an hour to an hour every day to go through all his mail. Every other person, including the top earners and other partners, I just drop their mail to their secretary, and their secretary does that. That's their job. But she doesn't know how to use the computer system, so I have to do it for her because she'll sit there going through her paper of each client in the list, and, you know, it's, it's just terrible. So, but the, the even the worst part is while you stand while you standing over her, uh, while you bring the mail to her, she wants you to stand over her and stand there and um, wait for her to eat, open each piece. Now, mind you, I already went through all the mail to make sure she doesn't get anything that doesn't that she doesn't really want. You know, I kind of had to learn over time. But she'll stand there. Why are you bringing this to me and just like throw it back at you? Don't ever bring that to me. Deliver that to look it up and you know like just sit there. And then she does this loud, so I make sure that I, it's a smooth and easy transition. However, she still wants you to stand over her while she opens all this mail that I know belongs to him because I went through it already. And then she'll hand you the envelopes back like yeah, throw that out. She has a garbage bin right under her desk. It's like it's just a constant disrespect, and everyone sees it, and everyone gets angry, and um, they're like, "How do you just take that from her?" And I'm like, "Man, I expect it from her. I mean, I, I know what the what I'm coming into every day. I already, you know, brace myself for it. It's not. It's, it's just I just know what's coming. Um, and then every now and then she'll want to stand there and make small talk. How's the kids? You know, and she has this um, Irish accent. It's very annoying. Um, 
Now, another thing that happened, um, yesterday was, I went the day before yesterday was tax day, the busiest day of the season. I work at an accounting firm. Uh, one of my responsibilities is to empty the paper bins and put them into a bigger recycling bin, and a company comes and picks that up um, and bring, empties it and brings it back. You know, they shred the paper out, or, you know, in the truck and bring it right back empty. And, um, you know, that's something I do twice a week. But, of course, this is tax day. I couldn't do that. Um, I had over 300 to 400 certifies that I had to process each one individually because, of course, everything has to go to the post office to have an account for. Um, I had to do a lot of um, filing of extensions, uh, a lot of stuff I had to do. I, I didn't have time for that. Um, so when the guy came to pick up the, the bins, she decided that she was going to because uh, her big thing is she doesn't want to pay and it not be filled all the way to the top. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do, make more paper? I mean, it's, it's filled up. Like, everything's empty sometimes. But, of course, this day it was, it was a lot full because I didn't do it. I had a lot of stuff to do. So she decides she's going to walk around and try to grab some and try to fill this up and make the man stand there and wait. And then, of course, you know, she dropped a bunch, and then she starts screaming, this is your job. And I'm like, well, I you know what I'm saying? And uh, one of the accountants says, hey, this is busy day. He has to do what he has to do. And she shut up. Um, but it was just like that that type of torture. Um, the last thing I'm going to add about her is um, one of the partners who, you know, I, I don't think he likes me too much. He always has something smart to say. But, you know, I take it in stride. Um, he's the only one who has that attitude toward me. Um, um, he... He um, complained about the cutting board I'm using. Now, mind you, I don't, I just started working here. I don't, this is what I inherited. Um, and he did this like when I first started. Why are you using that cutting board? So this is the cutting board that I was trained on. This is what they gave me. I don't have another one here. Oh, well, it doesn't look, you know, up to par. Why don't you um, get another one? I said, well, you know what? I'm going to ask for, uh, about it. Now I'm thinking, um, this dude is a partner. He could just go and add, tell them, yo, order another cutting board, but he wants me to come at me that way. You know what I'm saying? So I go to her immediately, and I say, well, listen, um, such and such, he just said that the cutting board is not up to par, and he wants to, okay, I'll get you another one. So mind you, this week, I just got, got it. Now, this happened maybe two months ago. It just I even slipped my mind. She came to me, I got the cutting board, but it was raining today, and I didn't bring it, but I'm going to bring it tomorrow. It's more rules to this new cutting board dust. Um, the angle you cut on, she doesn't want you to get any slices in it. It's a cutting board. I'm cutting fruit every day. What do you expect? You know, the, she wants you to rinse it a certain way and dry it off and store it a certain way. It's more rules to this cutting board to the point where I'm just going to probably buy my own so I don't have any of these rules to listen to, and I'll mute my line. Thank you. Wait, wait a minute. Hold on one, one, uh, one second, Thomas, in New York. Uh, number one, I'm so sorry. No you had to endure that uh, torture uh, for uh, this, or you've been there for, this is going all the way back to the fruit days uh, before the cutting board. I was, was there since the, the day after Martin Luther King Day. I've been dealing with this stuff. Wow. I'm sorry. That is stressful. Um, black self-care is super important. So I hope you are, you know, doing things to manage your stress. When uh, the second anecdote, when you were talking about the race soldier with the male situation where she stands there in this really demeaning manner and is, ah, oh, take this back. What do you bring? 
Uh, and you said, you know, uh, people see this, it's, you know, she does it out in public, like, oh my gosh, how can you, how can you put up with that? And you said, you know, hey, I know what I'm dealing with. I have, you know, correct expectations. I brace myself. Just what do you mean? And what specifically do you do to brace yourself so you can endure this public torture? Oh, man, that's, I live for this guy. This is just proof to me that all these people are racist. So it's like, when she does it, you know, I'm, I'm in the back of my mind, I'm laughing like, man, I can't wait to tell us about this. Man, this is just, I mean, I, my, my stance in, in, on this show, because it could be a little bit uncodified, all white people are racist. And anything I could get to prove my point, I use it to further myself at knowing that I'm being correct in that stance. So I brace myself for knowing it. It's like I just I sometimes I can sense it coming. Like here she comes, here she comes, and then there'll be something she'll say that's just so like you wouldn't talk to no white person like this ever. But I mean my line guys, I'm sorry. No apologies, appreciate it. Thank you for clarification. That that segment right there reminded me the book club, the, the book we're, that we're reading now is important for very different reasons. Not a quality book, but it is important that we're reading The Hate You Give, Angie Thomas. Two sessions and we are all done. Thank heavens. Thank black Jesus. Uh, the book that I thought of when Thomas was recounting his week of torture, Edward Baptist, The Half Has Never Been Told. Wow. Very quality book written by a race soldier. But the segment specifically uh, where he talked about how random the and he used that word torture, uh, too, that we should make sure that we think of the enslavement of black people as torture. Uh, but he said uh, specifically he was talking about how randomly they would come in and say, OK, uh, today, Negroes have to pick 40 pounds of cotton. OK, everybody comes in, they pick 40 pounds. Great. Excellent day. Watermelon fall. Come in tomorrow. Everybody picks 40 pounds up. Oh, we're going to lash all the niggers. You were supposed to get 42 pounds that they would just, you know, randomly change things up just so they could have justification to torture niggers, black people. That is what does it mean to be white? That is my pleasure. That's what I look forward to getting up in the morning. I'll get five minutes to torture that nigger Thomas or torture, you know, Red Nevada. I won't say her name correctly or, who, you know, whoever it happens to be, whatever the nigger uh, is for the day that what does it mean to be white? Uh, other folks that we've not heard from at all, if you have commentary on what's been shared or if you have your own uh, situation, uh, line should be open. Proceed. May I be heard? Hey, I uh, heard two folks. Uh, was that Red Nevada? Yes, um, thank you. I'll try to make it quick. And um, um, thank you for allowing me to share. Hello, everyone. Definitely, um, I, I, I definitely feel for Thomas in New York, but I know that he said he's dealing with it um, well. And so I hope that I do have that type of patience um, with these races just like he is, or he does. Um, I think, I guess for an update for me is that I finally, I, I guess I must have unintentionally or maybe intentionally me mug the racist who refuses to say my name right so many times and ignored her so many times. Like she'll come by my desk and she'll say good morning or she didn't, basically she might say it loud enough for everyone to hear and everyone else will respond and I won't say anything. And so she's finally got to the point I've seen her in the hall. She looks the other way. But there has been like one time this week where she has asked me a question, but it's still the same, doesn't say my name, but I'm much, I'm, I'm, 
I'm actually, I don't want to, I don't want to necessarily feel like this is a win or anything like that, but at least she knows that I'm not, I'm going to keep correcting her in just the most nastiest way ever. I, I guess not nastiest way, in, or maybe not disrespectful, but she just knows that I'm, I'm just not going to tolerate it. So she really doesn't say too much to me anymore, which I'm kind of happy about, am happy about. Um, and I don't have to worry about her coming into the lunchroom and sitting down with me, especially if I'm at a table by myself. Um, there's that. Uh, I actually had, I finally had a, um, a, re- a work review with my supervisor. Now it's been, um, everyone else on, in my little area has had, they're on their third one. And I've only had just this, just, I'm working on my first one. Um, because the first one that was scheduled, she forgot. The second one, she was sick, and I finally got one. But I've been working on um, just self-correcting my my work. If the company says we have to have, um, if we're at this, uh, if this is our um, our grade or where we need to be, um, then I've just been trying to just keep reviewing the policies and procedures on how I'm supposed to do my job and try to just resolve it myself and I made sure to bring that up in my work review um but during my work review there was she just gave me so much accolades and and it's like I was just thinking in my head it's like I don't I don't really care about this I I feel like you know just the whole not really seeking white validation and I wish I could have said it but of course you know I have to be at work but um, and I was also thinking okay well I wonder if these accolades will actually transfer into me getting a higher rate at the, you know, at annual, at my annual, but, you know, I doubt it, but I just think that that'll be funny, and I'll definitely make sure I um, keep everyone posted, if I even make it to that year mark, because I don't have any um, type of um, notions that I won't be um, fired or anything like that. I always operate, or I've been trying to really operate under the assumption that everyone is replaceable, especially if you're Black, so that's that's just my thinking. But one of the things that she said, she was using a lot of metaphors that I didn't understand. So I kind of just halfway smiled and kind of nodded. But one of the things she said when she was describing describing someone very dependable, she said, they're like hot cocoa on a cold day. And I'm just, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a, a Dr. Weldon moment. I don't know. But I guess the uh, last thing is, there was a lot of talk about tanning because the sun's coming out. Some white people are saying, oh, well, I burn, and so let me try to hurry up and get out outside before it gets too hot. Um, there was also another person who may be classified as white or may be accepted, I guess, I would, I would call it temporarily as white or conditionally as white, who everyone kept going by her desk saying how great she looked because she was away and she came back and she looked just the same, just kind of pasty, maybe just a, a, a shade or two more red. I feel like there might have been something else. Oh, the last thing. I have been um, making sure to um, just review my policies and procedures because um, I, I, I have been somewhat talking a little bit more to um, this black male in my area, very close to my desk. And... Um, but one of the things that he likes to do is he'll kind of say, um, like, kind of say, like, little demanding things to me. And I just, you know, I don't, I don't say anything back to it it's in a joking manner. Because I've, I've spoke to him outside of work, and it's not, he, he just kind of plays around like that. He doesn't, I don't think he necessarily has a real code. 
so he'll might, he might tell me, like, well, sit up straight or, you know, do this or do that. Or you didn't say good morning to me specifically. So I want an apology. And I'll just, you know, I'll remain, you know, really calm and I'll apologize or whatever have you. Because I know that he's kind of like playing around. But it's like the supervisor kind of watches that. And she's like, well, you know what, like you, I can't believe how patient you are with him. You should just trip him. And I won't even say anything. And I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go back and forth, have this banter between me and this black male just for y'all's entertainment. Um, and I guess I'll leave it there. Thank you for allowing me to share. Did she say you should just trip him? She has said that several times. She said that because, like, he'll go by my desk and he'll say, well, you need to sit up straight or you're not doing your work right. And I'll just say, okay, real calm and just go back to my work. And she'll kind of laugh. And she'll say, you know what, if you trip him, I won't need to say anything. I'll look the other way. But, yes. Wow. Violence. Violence against other black people and violence for entertainment purposes. Uh, like I'm seeing, watching the niggers squabble, that'll be my fun while I'm, what does it mean to be white? Uh, I don't know if I classify, I mean, it's hard to, it's, for me, a win is system of white supremacy completely annihilated, right? That would be a win. Um, but I mean, that's nice. You can get a race soldier who's been, you know, tort terrorizing you and deliberately mispronouncing your name uh, to uh, minimize contact. Like, I'll take that. That's acceptable on the plantation. <laughs> like, uh, right on. Uh, she's probably thinking of something, you know, racist. And she might be back. So, you know, we just remember that code and we'll have it at the ready uh, if she tries to come back and start that uh, behavior up again. With those uh, reviews where, oh, that is Welsing moment. Absolutely. Uh, seems like double with the tanning emphasis. And then uh, what was it? Hot chocolate on a, on a cold winter day. <laughs> like, wow, that was uh, the song Brown Sugar by that uh, rock and roll band. Like, wow, that's uh, I, was this the same woman who talked about uh, how wonderful your lipstick lo look? This isn't the same white woman, is it? Actually, I forgot to mention that. Yes, that's my supervisor. Oh. I made sure we had the work review. I did not wear any makeup <laughs> at all. <laughs> okay, okay. Wow, that's, yeah, man, I was almost going to think cowbell, but gee, if I had known that this was the same woman with the lipstick, I maybe would have uh, ding ding. But anyway, uh, when they're making those kind of comments uh, that, oh, you're the best thing, you know, hot chocolate on a cold winter day, and you are just awesome and dependable and reliable. They, I mean, can we get any of this in writing? Like, because I have seen that and personally experienced that in my work history where they had all of these wonderful things to say, but it didn't get in writing. I remember one specific incident where I had a review that was average. I didn't get a raise or a bonus or, you know, a cupcake, nothing. Uh, but we got to the end and the manager said, oh, man. I just talked to one of the other workers and he said that you are his favorite person to work with. Like I already had, it's like, man, I wish this is what he's telling me. I wish, you know, I had known that before the review. Cause then I could have put it. See, they always find some sort of tacky trifling way where 
any of the comments or accolades, you know, praise for quality work that you're doing, somehow you don't get rewarded for it. That doesn't get written down or that is not translated to, oh, well, you got a little bit extra cornbread since you've been working so hard. I would try this like in general, not specific, but try and find ways to see if that could be translated in writing. Like that would be great if this could be in my, you know, folder when my performance review comes up or it's time, you know, for a promotion or a raise. Hey, can some of these accolades like bang red is the best thing since hot chocolate on a cold winter day. <laughs> Let's get that in writing. So that can be in my folder when it's time for a raise. Uh, the other thing, policy and procedure that is, uh, I think last week uh, we had a victim who said, you know, the only value they thought decodification was documenting. I would add, policy and procedure review. Uh, if there are only two things that you're going to take, review of policy and procedure and documentation, if they're only going to be two. I could probably think of some more that are crucial as well, but policy and procedure, vitally important, and especially in environments where there are updates and you know things of that nature to make sure that you are fresh on what whites are up to. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have commentary or if you have your own situation you want to share, uh, actually, the mail caller who patiently uh, yielded the floor to Red in Nevada, if you want to proceed, sir, thank you kindly. Hey, how you doing, Gus? Right, poorly. My name is uh, my name is uh, Samir from New Jersey, and um, I just want to give uh, you know some incidents on the workplace that I experienced, and also. Um, some uh, codes that um, you know I conduct while while I'm interacting with uh, white people, uh, racist suspects. Um, first, um, a job that I was that I was on years ago, um, I learned from a older Italian gentleman, um, um, Italian ethnicity, that black people aren't American <laughs> because uh, we had a uh, Hispanic male on the workplace and in just brief conversation he pulls me to the side and says we Americans and you blacks we need to do something about them that was very interesting because I didn't know you know he made that distinction that he was American and I was black so with that being said um, that spoke value to me um also um i also had a racist suspect uh pronounce my name wrong my name is samir this particular woman would drop the ir off my name and just gave me the name sam so um respectfully you know i let her know i said listen my name is samir if you can't pronounce it you can call me by my last name it's you know it's easy to pronounce um, that's how I handled that situation. Um, I must admit that I kind of let that disrespect go on too long, you know, because, you know, she, she, you know, I mean, she was calling me Sam and I didn't check her right away, but, you know, eventually I had to pull her to the side and said, listen, you know, my name, my name is not, uh, Sam. It's, it's Samir. Um, so she began to call me by my last name. You know, this woman was very vile, very uh, condescending. Um, she walked around the warehouse with her dog. So she had all kind of um, extra uh, freedoms 
uh, given to her in the workplace. Um, but that's how I handled that situation. Um, a cousin of mine just called me, and he was terminated from his workplace, and um, he got into an incident with black female, um, older black female. And um, instead of him going to HR, he confronted the black female. And once he uh, confronted the black female, I guess this particular black female had good relations with the white supervisor. So the super, the white supervisor um, basically retaliated against him. And, um, you know, uh, I guess his work assignment, he finished his work assignment and the, set, the supervisor knocked over um, boxes that he stacked. And, you know, he told him to pick it up. He said, listen, you know, that's not my job, but I'll get the person whose job it is. Uh, he didn't do it. Next day he came to work. He was terminated. Um, so my advice to him should have been when you got into the conversation with the black, the older black female, instead of reporting it to your supervisor who did nothing, he should have just went to HR. But for that, you know, he was terminated. Um, on my job, um, I have uh, white coworkers. I have a, um, another Italian gentleman who's a, a coworker of mine. And once in a while, he'll come and he'll make stereotypical racial jokes. And how I deal with him is I coldly look him in his face and I ignore him. I don't smile. I don't laugh. Um, I made it real clear on my job. I do not entertain racial jokes. But so I don't even start it. So, but he, he, once in a while he comes and, you know, he, uh, he might say something, you know, jokingly. And, and, and if it's any racial leaning, you know, um, I basically, um, just turn my back and just act like I didn't even hear him. Um, another coworker referred to me as Bucky. As, um, as what? Can you can you say it again, please? Buck, buckwheat, buckwheat from the little rat. Oh, okay, buckwheat. Yeah, yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, I don't recall what was the context in which he said it. Um, this was an Hispanic white male. He can be classified as. Um, so you know, I just kindly pulled him to the side. I said, "Listen, um, don't. If I, I will, I would like if you don't refer me as that. I, I really, I really, I mean, I wasn't really trying to give him a history lesson." But I informed him. I said, um, depending on what black male you encounter, some black males won't be as courteous as me. Um, that there was a lot of uh, racial stereotypes that wasn't very um, um, that didn't shine kindly on black people in that old TV show, The Little Rascals. So I'm just giving you a heads up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that reference to anybody black. And furthermore, I have a bald head. So how can you distinguish me from, I mean, how can you compare me to Buckley is beyond me. Um, another incident um, that, I, that I basically, um, a salesperson. This was before Trump ran for president. And um, for some reason at my company, I'm a truck driver. So they send salespeople with me. And, you know, so we were in the truck, and Donald Trump came up. And this is during the time of the Central Park Five. 
I work in New York City. So after we heard the uh, news, uh, the news on the radio, they I, I guess the, uh, the Central Park, Central Park Six or Central Park Five was on the radio, and they brought up Donald Trump and the articles that he uh, brought up, and um, I basically, I, you know, I, I I spoke, I thought out loud, and I just my my dislike for uh, Donald Trump and his actions. Uh, white racist suspect salesperson says, "Well, what about Al Sharpton?" I said, um, "I didn't bring up Al Sharpton, and are you condoning the behavior of Donald Trump?" Well, you know, what about Al Sharpton? I said, "I I, I can't speak for Al Sharpton, you know." So um, I ended that conversation. Um, I basically, and um, later on, you know, he 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 was. And he also adopted a black child. So he wanted me to know that he has an adopted black nephew. Well, his family. Um, you know, I'm like, okay. I mean, I mean, does that make you any less of a racist? But all right. So the next day, he thanked me for taking me on the route with him and bought me, got me, I mean, you know, bought me a bottle of wine. And um, I also let him know that my grandmother uh, and my great-grandfather practiced the Jewish faith. My great-grandfather was a rabbi, black rabbi, black Jews. So anytime I was amongst management, the owner's wife, he would go out his way to always bring up my grandparents' Jewish background because the owners are Jewish. And to the point where even the owner of the company asked me, like, what's his deal? <laughs> so I just ignore him. I, I, you know, I don't know, you know. So he would always put me on the spot about Jewish holidays. And it, 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 was, it was real kind of cringeworthy and, and just off-putting. So uh, I think I had my balling point when I was in an office. And I'm from Newark, New Jersey. Um, probably about 60, 70% African-American population. So he comes in, he says, you know, hey, you know, hey, Smith, are you going to be in North this weekend? Are you going to have your do-rag on? So I said, listen, everybody black doesn't wear a do-rag. Thank you. Oh, no, I, I didn't mean it that way. No, 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 no. Everybody's black don't wear a do-rag. You have never seen me with the do-rag on. So after that, I, he, he always went out his way to speak to me. I would ignore him. If he said good morning, I wasn't I wasn't discourteous. I spoke. I said good morning, and um, and I just left it there. You know, I mean, people have came to me and and basically stated that I guess behind my back he knew that I really wasn't uh, as social with him. So you know, somebody came to me, another coworker, and said, "Hey, what's up? With, you know, what's going on with you and Roy?" I said nothing. You know, we're all right. But he's no longer working there, so I don't have to be terrorized by Roy. And I'm going to close with this, another incident um, at, an, at another job. I was in the truck, and my supervisor was on the truck with me, me and another black male. Uh, white supervisor, white racist suspect, wants to give me a history lesson and tell me what black people need to do to get their community better, what we need to do to get ourselves in shape. And also told me that, you know, racism wasn't that bad and how he's not racist and how he's spoken up 
for black people in the restaurant when he witnessed uh, racist uh, behavior from employees at, 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 a, at a particular restaurant or establishment. So this is just a rundown of some of my experiences with uh, racists on the job and also how I handle some situations. I mean, like I said, my code is this. I don't do racy jokes. Uh, you know what I mean? The minute someone even hints at any kind of racy jokes, I don't check them. I just ignore them and I walk off. All right. That's, that's, that's it for now. Context of white supremacy. Uh, when I've said that repeatedly, like just, I think any of us, we could learn a lot about white supremacy, racism, just by reviewing our own work history. Like, and I mean, you can look back at times when you didn't know as much about white supremacy, racism, and how you functioned then, look at how your behavior has changed, uh, and the experiences that you've had as you have learned more about racism, and especially if you're applying counter-racist logic on the job uh, in terms of how you function around whites or non-white people. Uh, some of the things that stood out, you said uh, there was a suspected racist who brought you a gift, a bottle of wine, sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy uh the person who said that we americans and you blacks should get together if you're into asking questions on the job which is something i recommend uh lots of questions uh could be asked there uh who qualifies as an american why do i not qualify as an american what qualifies you as an american what do you mean by america i mean lots 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 uh, of questions. You could ask one question a day and <laughs> just, uh, you know, spend a month getting, uh, you know, 30 different questions asked. Uh, the buckwheat reference, I would, I am not in the business of uh, educating suspected race soldiers. Uh, I take the position that any white person, I wouldn't care if I was talking to an eight year old or a hundred eight year old that that white is substantially more informed about buckwheat and all aspects of white supremacy, racism, small and large than I ever will be as long as the system exists. So, I, I mean, that would be a very brief conversation, if anything, uh, that might be one where I just whip out, you know, my my mobile device and make note of what was said. Could you repeat that, sir? And write that down, or your recorder is even better. Could you repeat that? Tap so that you can get the recording. Uh, that might be it. That would not be one. And I, I mean, I would strongly recommend any situations like that. That's not going to be a lecture. That's not going to be even like 30 seconds, in my view, is too long of a conversation. The max uh, that should be is like a sentence. Could you repeat that? Don't ever call me that again. Were you talking to like that's the max? Like it would be one sentence, not an explanation about the incorrectness of buckweed or recommendation about using it or not using it in the future. Like, no, <laughs> just one sentence uh, with regards to how I'm a fun. That would be my recommendation. Like, that's going to be a very, very brief exchange. Uh, yeah. Other folks who dialed in who have a hand up, if you have 
I mean, that dog in the building that stood out. I, I, I have not experienced that personally, but we did have the caller who talked about that before. And I was a little stymied about dealing with that. But policy and procedure, I think they went to uh, the lease of the building, which is, you know, pretty much policy procedure, uh, which outlawed dogs. But I'd said then I hadn't hadn't seen that before, hadn't heard of that before. There we are. Dogs in the workplace. Wow. Uh, other folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, if you have commentary on you know any of what has been presented thus far, if you have your own situation that you want to discuss, uh, line should be open. Proceed. Uh, hello. Yes, sir. We can hear you. Uh, yeah. Um, thank you for taking my call. Um, my office. Um, well, in, in in a couple of offices where they've been. Uh, I guess, uh, emotional dogs, I guess. I, I can't remember what they're actually called, but the, and they can be scary because you can just be sitting in your office and, you know, they run out of the other person's office and you're like, well, what am I going to do? Um, they're usually like German, German shepherds. Um, 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 I had a, an incident where I guess you could call it like, a. Like a lady in the office that had like snacks, um, but I never really went to her work area where she, she she would have these snacks. Other people would go. She was always offering them, but I never really went. Um, but she sort of like got a new office where it was sort of like in the open. And one day I just went to grab some snacks, and there was like a a white lady just like staring at me. I guess she thought. I was going to steal something like the way that she was like looking at me was like she was waiting for me to do something incorrect and to sort of like catch me in the act. Like when I, when I sort of like stood up and started looking at me, um, I realized what was going on. So I guess, um, <laughs> I guess I solidified my clarification after that and like no more, um, going by any other person's work area or even, um, unless I have like a specific reason, um, I have like, uh, a couple questions. Um, one, my first question is about work travel. Um, I have an associate, um, a black female, um, mid twenties. She's traveled, but she's never traveled, um, with work. And she's never traveled with work on an international trip. So this is her first work trip and it's an international trip. And um, I guess one of the reasons why she's worried about this trip is because she recently got hired to this company. Um, to, um, she's traveling with um, two white colleagues, one that's uh, her level, a white female, and one that's older, sort of like a manager of white male. And then um, also the, the area of the world that she's going to, she's going to um, Amsterdam. So she's like, because that's like uh, well known for, I guess, like all kinds of things, marijuana, with, with, with all, all, all sorts of things. And so she, she had asked me sort of like, because she knows that I listen to the program and sometimes I give her some advice. Um, she had asked me to ask um, the program and the listeners on, uh, and you guys, if you guys had any advice, if any of you had traveled internationally 
gospel work. Wow, I have not traveled, or yeah, I have not traveled internationally for business. Uh, do we have folks who have had to travel internationally for business who have suggestions? This would be one. Uh, do not be a spectator. If you have had experience traveling internationally for business, uh, if you have experience with that, 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you want to field that question. You can also uh, write in untiljustice at gmail.com uh, if you want to drop me an email and I'll, I can read it uh, on the air. Um, can I be heard? I have, oh, sorry. Can I, can I ask just one? Oh, I'm sorry. Just one last question for for the callers, just to consider. Um, I have another associate that's going to be um, moving, relocating to um, Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, if anybody's from that part, it seems like there were some other cities around there and whatnot. If anybody's from that part of the world and has advice. Um, I know different areas can have different types of racism, different levels, all kinds of things. Um, if they have any like specific areas to avoid, that kind of thing, um, to please um, uh, to, to let the call in or to let us know, I'll be listening to, to the whole program. Thank you. Yes, sir. Same deal uh, with that one. If you if we have listeners that are in the Louisville area and you want to drop an email until justice at gmail dot com, I could transfer that way, perhaps. Or uh, if you want to dial in and share a bit of info, that would work as well. Uh, the mail caller who spoke up, were you going to answer the question about international business travel? Uh, no, sir. I wanted to share something. Uh, what was the question about international business travel? I kind of missed it. I think he said he had a friend uh, who was going, a black female who was going to Amsterdam uh, international business trip. And she, I think might be her first time with international business travel. She wanted uh, suggestions. Is that it, sir? Was that it? Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, I can um, provide just, this is a black male engineer. I travel for work and while I haven't done international, I have done across the country, and these are my observations. Um, never spend your own money. Um, I'm pretty sure they'll be giving her a company car. Um, make sure that she uses that car for every single purchase. Always take your receipts, especially as a black person. It is your word against whatever company or whatever your management says. So whatever she buys, she needs to have a receipt always for anything um i would also tell her to in using her company card um don't use it for any personal purchases meaning like toiletries like she can't even buy a toothbrush or toothpaste don't don't use it for that use it only for buying food your like your allowable meals or paying for your room and um whatever they allow but most companies are not going to allow you to just buy toiletries and just uh, like cigarellos or cigarettes or anything willy nilly. They won't allow that. Um, also be on the lookout for um, people trying to gain information from you. Um, this is, since this is an international trip, 
There could be agents around anywhere um, that are asking questions in order to cause confusion and test you. Um, so be aware of that. Uh, on another note, I was in a meeting today. We were going over um, funding for the year and there was, uh, so one thing I noticed is that whites spend billions of dollars on complete crap. Um, they told us, quote unquote, that we have more money than we can spend, so the plan is just to spend it. Meaning that they're just throwing money at things that don't need money, it's, it's ridiculous. Also, um, someone referred to Obama as a dog, quote unquote. Uh, they were talking about uh, furlough for workers, and they said that, yeah, uh, you know, they were talking about Obama's measure where he made workers be furloughed, like the whole, you know, government workforce be furloughed for a certain amount of time. And one of the males in the room referred to Obama as a dog. And yes, he's a, they said, oh yeah, good Obama. And they were like, yeah, he's a dog. And uh, I, I just, that was just blatant white supremacy at that moment. And that is all for now. <laughs> sure. I'm sure a substantial number. Uh, I I would be willing to wager that a number of cows listeners would be willing to co-sign on that one as not being fans of President Obama. Anywho, uh, the let's see. With that situation, I would just document. That's you know another one. I would write uh, and with uh, co-signing on the travel suggestions for the international business travel receipts uh, i would encourage taking a picture uh, if you have your mobile phone or what have you that way if you lose the physical copy boop, you'll have your backup i found that to be very very helpful on a lot of situations especially where uh, there can be wrangling business wrangling and suspicion uh, of a black person about business expenses that way you have uh kind of a fail safe uh, in case something happens with the receipt they get wet or lost in you know travel transit uh oh and there was one other the seg the caller previously who talked about the race soldier that made the comment about the do rag i'm a big advocate of just responding with uh questions <clears throat> that's a great one particularly to be as ignorant as possible and what i mean in this context what is a do rag and I would say it purposely, just that awkward and slow, and have them explain. And after they explain, why do you think I would be wearing a do rag this weekend? And let them explain. And we could do the same thing. We could ask all these questions in the next five minutes. We could pace this out over the next two weeks but that would be my response one question and again that's not going to be a five minute conversation that's not going to be a speech question one question wait for the response i might have another question wait for the response that might be it i might just document that it was said but yeah I, it would not be any sort of exchange or back and forth uh when again that's another instance where i assume this person deliberately made that statement 
as an act of white supremacy. Other folks uh, who dialed in, if they have commentary or questions, or actually, since we had international uh, question about international travel, uh, I believe uh, Stacy in the UK, 2.25 a.m. Friday morning. Uh, are you with us, ma'am? Hi, guys. Yes, ma'am. We can hear you loud and clear. Hi. Yes, it is 226 now. Um, in terms of the Amsterdam question, um, I have been to that city. It was a long time ago, um, 2003. Um, and sorry, because some of the callers are quite low, so I'm not hearing all of the um, questions that they're asking. But I guess if I could give any advice on things to expect from Amsterdam. I mean, I went there on a business-related trip as well, and it was a very specific visit. So we were in a group and we were um, taken places directly. So, you know, like taxis and things like that organised. So what I didn't do is necessarily go on public transport and things like that. And we had very set meetings and things that we went to because we were looking at some of the uh i guess structures in place around the sort of uh, um, employment policy and government um uh, the way government runs certain employment programs but one thing i did notice which i found really shocking and and i, and I give the context of why i was there and how we were being taken around for this reason so i might have had a very narrow perspective of the city itself but I didn't see any other black people unless they were in service jobs I mean if you saw black people they were in service jobs and I found that quite shocking to see and it's not that obviously in the UK black people are not in service jobs because clearly you know, uh, people in all types of different roles. But I didn't see any black people in any other type of role. And that to me was actually quite shocking because... Just for our international just, folks, when you say service jobs, you mean like sex, sex industry, correct? No, sorry. Oh, okay, no, we <laughs> just trying to clarify, see. So what do you mean when you say service industry, service jobs? What do you mean? Sorry. So, I mean, um, no, we weren't there. We did not go to those kind of places. Thank but um, <laughs> I would not be, I would be having a different conversation with you. Um, no. Um, so, basically, serving, cleaning, entry level jobs. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. So, if you saw black people, those were the types of roles that they had didn't see black people in any other like, high-paid job or any other role. And that's not to criticise anybody who's in what, what we would define as the service-level jobs, but it just showed me how segregated that city is and how non-white people are treated. And so... I guess for the, the for the international sorry for the person who's going on the visit, things may have changed since two thousand and three. But if the city 
has relegated its black people to very specific roles than I would expect to encounter lots of subtle and maybe overt racist treatment, basically. Um, because it was just, the, the contrast was just quite shocking for me, even somebody who comes from, you know, um, you know, I, I've experienced, obviously, racism in, 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 in London, um, but I've, I've never witnessed that before. Um, but yeah, so that, that was just my experience of Amsterdam. But as I said, we were being taken places directly and the rest of the city may be quite different, but um, I doubt it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll come back a bit later and give an update. Yeah, but that was just um, my feedback on Amsterdam, Gus. Much obliged. Thank you kindly. Thank you for uh, clearing up the service industry comment. The the reason I think that I made that <clears throat> association incorrectly, uh, service industry with uh, sex workers, is because I think we've had uh, international or guests outside the states before uh, talking about Amsterdam specifically and saying that uh, they saw a very high concentration of black people uh, as uh, sex workers in Amsterdam. I haven't been there uh, myself, but I think that that was uh, shared on the program, and they, you know, had some concerns about that. Thought it was more evidence of white supremacy and racism. The whole world, as the white man and white woman's brothel, more evidence of that. But uh, yes, thank you for for clearing that up uh, and the input about Amsterdam. Uh, and I think also, I guess it would be important. I think Amsterdam before all of the recent legalization here in the States and, you know, a number of states, Amsterdam, they've had legal cannabis for a while and are kind of known for uh, being kind of Vegasy legal cannabis places. And um, the sex industry that I talked about, I think they're kind of known for that sort of uh, thing, unless I'm in error. So it would not surprise me if you going there, if your coworkers either or uh, the female that's going, your friend that's going, if uh, her coworkers, either before she goes or when she comes back, make some sort of snide remarks about her getting high or doing drugs uh, while she was overseas or even scrutinizing or even saying something, you know, you can't, you know, buy any weed using the company car before she goes. Like, uh, I would be mindful of that just because of, I think Ramsterdam kind of has a reputation. Uh other folks who dialed in that we have not heard from at all, if you have commentary, either on what's been shared so far, or if you have your own situation you want to discuss, uh, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, yeah there, there was, uh, I guess, um, I guess uh, I was listening to last week's show, and I think uh, uh, you had a female caller. She had mentioned about she didn't get a... I think it was a pay raise or bonus because of annual review. And, you know, I've been, you know, in the last 20 years, I've I've noticed that there's a pattern. Um, When white folks practice racism, you know, on the job or your supervisor, the main thing that I've noticed, and this has happened to me too in the past, um, is that when these um, supervisors have a, a evaluation or annual review, um, the main thing that stands out to me is they'll say, you know, if you're a black person, they'll say, well, I can't give you a good annual review or I can't give you a pay raise 
or promotion, like, and I'll make up, like, with the laser, because you don't talk enough or you don't turn in your projects on time. And I used to stop, like you said, and ask questions. I said, well, Mr. Supervisor, um, when you said that I don't turn in my um, projects in time, why are you bringing it up now in the annual review? You know, why didn't you bring this up five months ago or seven months ago or nine months ago if that's a problem? And I also asked that that question, and, they, and these white folks, they don't say a word. They're like stunned. And I also said, in addition to you not bringing up, you know, that there's a problem, you also never made any uh, solutions or recommendations or work with me how, I, how you could improve the problem. You know, where's your, um, um, you know, your, your uh, tricks? where you can improve your efficiency, improve your productivity, improve your quality of work. I said, you haven't done that. And, you know, then I said, and then they're stunned. And then I'll, you know, if if they don't change it, then I always keep to myself. You know, if they're not doing that, then that means your supervisor is not doing his job as a supervisor or, and he's practicing racism, white supremacy. And also, too, when you have, if they, you know, don't want to change it, I put that in writing, you know, as, you know, as your responses, you know, always document. And uh, and see, I, for the last 20 years, I've had ev- evaluations destroyed when I bring that up. They they just didn't want to, to deal with it. I said, well, okay. And also, too, I've had a supervisor who would say, nice things, you know, oh, you do this good and you do that. But then you get the, and I said, yeah, right. And then I get the evaluation back and he wouldn't put anything good. So what I would do is like pull out my book, pull out my emails and document it and set it up to, you know, human resources and that would come back destroyed. And the last thing I want to say is about Starbucks. You know, I hear all this talk when they talk about the lady you know, who practice racism, you know, about the guys at Starbucks. But I don't hear too many people talking about the racist cops that arrest them. They should have been able to see, you know, what the problem is. That's all I had. I mute my line. Appreciate that. Uh, it's great recommendations, I think, asking questions uh, for those reviews, particularly if you're being accused of any uh, shortcomings, uh, making sure that you ask questions and then waiting to get answers uh, to those questions. And especially about when, uh, if they say that there is a problem and there's been no effort to address that problem, like you said, waiting, you know, months, weeks, whatever it is to bring this up uh, in your review as justification for denying you a promotion or a raise or whatever it is. Why wasn't this addressed months, weeks ago so that you could be given an opportunity to correct this problem? Isn't that what we're here for? So that I could maybe it's just a training issue uh, that I, that is very very common uh, and she'd be addressed as such why wasn't you know I notified about this I thought that that is the role uh, of a supervisor uh, to you know alert employees there's a problem let's get this corrected so we can move forward productively Uh, other folks who uh, dialed in if you have 
questions, suggestions, your own situation that you want to share. Number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Actually, uh, we had uh, another person who wrote in uh, commentary. Make sure I share. Uh, my wife had a dentist appointment, and when we arrived, an older white woman was in the waiting area filling out paperwork. The receptionist called my wife to the back, then 15 to, 15 to 20 minutes later called the white woman back. After our visit, my wife told me the white woman was upset that she received care before her and actually asked the dentist why they took my wife before her. They explained that we had an appointment for a relatively quick fix and that it was her first visit, so there was insurance and paperwork to be done. The white woman was also surprised to see it was a black dentist. She says, I thought it was a white man at this office. The black female dentist says, yes, that's my husband. Ooh. Cowbell. Mm. Uh, he's not working today. Her face just dropped. Long story short, the dentist went on to tell my wife about how their first office had to be moved because they were told they would get more business elsewhere because in that area, white people would not go to them because of her being black and she also hires black dental assistants. Double whammy. Lastly, of course, the white woman expected a discount on her dental work. As I've said before, even if you are a black entrepreneur, it would be foolish to think that will excuse you from white supremacy racism. You will be in for a very rude awakening. And I can even insert, I personally know uh, a non-white dental office manager and he has said consistently that when he has a white dentist who is performing the procedures, when he files the insurance paperwork, like 95% approval rating, barely any problems, they don't contest, they pay out. When he has non-white dentists working for him, oh man, it is grappling, arguing, everything is contested, it is substantially more difficult, and he makes less money because they, they do not have a 95% acceptance rate for services. They, they challenge him anymore. It, he just doesn't make as much. That right there, the system of whites, which he recognizes. This person is familiar with Mr. Fuller's work, very aware, just breaking down the mechanics of how that works, even as an entrepreneur. And he's not even black. Other folks who dialed in, uh, if you have commentary, line should be open. Can it be heard? Greetings, retired firefighter. Greetings, Gus. Greetings, everyone. Uh, I'll just uh, make uh, some comments on what I've heard. Uh, well, not with everybody, but the ones that I can recall. Uh, the first caller, uh, the uh, lady uh, was uh, giving a updated report on the uh, on the white uh, woman who uh, uh, would not pronounce her name correctly. Uh, I would say, uh, 
your codification, the codification of ignoring that person is is uh, almost as reliable as flicking a light switch and expecting the lights to cut on. Cut on. Uh, you're going to get some results from it. And uh, from the idea of her being a little bit, uh, uh, I guess, perturbed in some kind of way because you're no longer paying her any attention, uh, especially uh, from the idea of her not calling your name correctly and she's spending less time around you, that's the, that's the desired results. And that's probably is something that uh, you can always uh, put in your your uh, counter-racist tool tool chest when something like that takes place. Uh, that is a common practice by racist white man and woman in pronouncing people's names incorrectly on in its own purpose. Uh, I would just have a question for the uh, mail caller uh, that was called, I believe, Buckwheat. Uh, I think you mentioned Gus and I'm kind of like just coming, uh, and saying basically the same thing. White people are very much aware of what they're saying and what they're doing, the jokes that they are, uh, enacting in the workplace. They know exactly the effects, the negative effects that it has better than, better than we do. Uh, I would, I would factor in that is probably a major waste of your time and energy of talking uh, to a white person about racism uh, 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 as a, uh, uh, in a way that you are basically uh, attempting to instruct them. Uh, they know better than we do uh, on that subject matter. Uh, so uh, just ask that question to yourself. Uh, I, if, if you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't be, I can't be wrong. And, uh, also, uh, I don't know everything, but I'm just saying from my experiences, uh, it's concerned, uh, the two black males who, uh, was arrested in, uh, in Philadelphia, uh, what appeared to me was they stayed calm through the entire process that I saw on film uh, as though they had some kind of uh, codified pre thinking uh, that they, they seem to be very much prepared because now, now, I mean, I know nobody on, on, on this line would think so, but you know, getting arrested is, is a, is a pretty dangerous thing uh, other than losing uh, a lot of your time and energy you can uh, lose a lot of your your health and to death. Uh, it, it can take place, and they seem to be pretty pretty calm, as opposed to some of the uh, reactions on our behalf that I have noticed. Uh, they were quite calm and uh, on what they were what they were uh, doing, uh, and uh, I think it, I think it, and even even the comments, some of the comments they. They made was uh, I thought was precise. Uh, I do take a different position with the idea of of anyone stating that uh, the uh, and I, I I haven't heard them say this, 
but uh, it, it was reported by the press that they thought the CEO's uh, uh, initiative was something quote unquote heading in the right direction. Uh, that can be that that has not been proven because I did not hear that come out of their mouths, uh, and I can see where the press would actually put that in on their own. Uh, hopefully, they they didn't say that, uh, and, and if they did, VGQ, you know, as far as that concern. But uh, I would uh, would like for them to uh, uh, get uh, you know get their financial, not financial, but their real estate, which it actually is financial, their real estate uh, situation uh, uh, contributed towards and beyond uh, in that particular case. But uh, that's all I have to say for right now, and I'll continue listening. Thank you. Context of white supremacy. Number again, 641 Four zero, the code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Other folks that we have not heard from, if you have commentary you would like to share, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Yes, oh. ma'am. Uh, let's see. We'll get uh, the female caller uh, just dialed in. Did you have commentary, ma'am? Uh, me? Let's see. Uh, yes, ma'am. We'll get you first. Okay. Uh, you're a little low, um, so if you I... could if you could speak up, that would be helpful. Okay. Um. Hi, this is uh, Napa Valley from California. Greetings. Good to hear from you, Napa Valley. Um, yeah, um, I guess, like, basically about the Starbucks thing, um, I also heard a, a, there's, like, another, like, AP, like, news report where they had interviewed, like, the two, like, guys, um, and, um, I think they said something along the lines of, like, um, it wasn't just like a black people problem. It was like a, like all people problem or something like that. And, um, a lot of people kind of like, um, reacted, reacted like negatively to that. And, um, I'm not sure like what they're like trying to like, or like, like what they meant by, meant by that. But, um, and I guess like it was kind of like, uh, I don't know if it's, like, media tactics or, like, they're kind of trying to, like, um, confuse people on, like, what, like, um, they should, like, how they should proceed or, like, approach, like, what happened. Because I don't believe either of that just because, like, Starbucks, um, like, does the whole, like, inclusivity, like, training and stuff that, um, that's going to, like, really, like, change things or, like, Oh, like everyone's like not racist anymore. Like it's just like so that um they could like go on business as usual and like continue like doing whatever without like getting caught. Cause um they're only like doing stuff now or like reacting this way because they got caught and like all the negative like reaction. So um I guess that's just like, kind of like what I wanted to say about that. And um yeah, that's basically it. 
Appreciate that. Are you a first-time caller? Yeah. All right, on. Grand to hear from you. Uh, hopefully you can dial in again, share your uh, commentary, your thoughts. Always great to hear from folks. Glad to have people not spectating said consistently, uh, especially the Thursday Neutralizing Workplace Racism broadcast. This is not for spectators. Uh, I'm sure we have folks who have uh, workplace experience, workplace situations like we are supposed to be participating uh, and sh exchanging views uh, on this here broadcast. Uh, great to hear from our caller in California. Uh, was there another female caller who spoke up uh, simultaneously just now? Um, yes, yeah, me. Hi. Thank you so can much. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Okay. Thank you. <sighs> okay. I'm at the um, hotel. Was it Pleasant Hill, California? Um, I've been there for the bit, few months, transferring from Richmond, California, same hotel, uh, same situation, same field, um, I'm graveyard. I'm supposed to be part-time, but since they can't keep, um, people there, my, um, hours, I can go 10 days straight. Oh, it's terrible. So I requested if you're going to give me these kind of hours, you're going to have to make me full-time or give me part-time hours. Um, I got forced into um, full-time hours, part-time pay, and weekends. And I specifically asked for weekends off because I have classes that I need to take. Didn't matter who cares. Call corporate. Who cares? Who cares? We'll move up to maybe March 18th. Mm, almost 6 o'clock in the morning, I just put coffee out for the people. Guy, this, I was looking in the camera, a small camera that I could look up in the camera. Guy decided he's going to jump over the desk. So I've had a guy jump over the desk before. So I go up to the front because I'm frustrated. So why would you jump over the desk? So I run, go up there, snatch the uh, whatever I have blocking the door because the door is closed. Because I could see him jumping over the desk. So I, <laughs> I guess he's going to come into where I'm coming out of. But I came, I snatched the door open and I just looked at him. Like, man, jumping over the desk. So I looked at the guy, girl, whoever it was, they had a mask on. I'm like, oh my God, this room. So I didn't say it out loud, I just said it to myself. And then he jumped because I guess he didn't anticipate anyone coming from through the door as he's jumping over the desk. So he looks at me and I'm looking at him and then I'm thinking, gee, what do I do now? Because my son goes in my purse. <laughs> so he snatches the, this is a stack of folios, which is um, maybe the guest registration paperwork. Um, just with the check in and out. We just stapled the uh, payment and the, um, registration, the card that shows your name, address, and all that stuff, and put it in this basket. We file it in the morning. So he snapped that because I guess whatever his original plan was was um, ruined because I came out of the door. And he just ran out, ran back out the, well, he ran out the front door, the door, the actual office door, turned the lights out on his way out, and then ran out the front door. So I um, called the police, and they're such jerks. 
so they took almost an hour to get there. Normally, they circle around the hotel every five minutes to terrorizing anybody, particularly black people. So they circle every five minutes, basically, except for then. They're not available 45 minutes later. I'm sorry, every took so long to get here. And then I'm explaining, you know, who this person. And um, said he had a mask on. Well, uh, well, next time he comes back, uh, call us. I'm like, man, I don't know him from you. Well, the next time you see a guy in a mask, just call us. Like, oh, bye. Give me the report number and just go. So I get the report number. So I'm, of course, it wasn't a big deal to anyone. Now, keep in mind, our doors don't lock. Our front doors are supposed to lock at 10 p.m. And they open, I think, at 6 a.m. Our doors haven't locked in five months. So those doors are just wide open. Anyone can come in and out. We now have guests sleeping in the hallway. It's just terrible. So um, I requested the weekends off. I took the day off that Sunday night. I didn't work. I said, I'm not coming in. And I requested the weekends off because it's too um, it's too much at, at the weekends. And we have no security and our doors don't lock. So they put this other young girl um, on the weekend. So she quit last weekend because she said she didn't feel safe. She just quit on the spot. So now they can't She's put me genius. back on the weekends. I end up getting... Say it again. She's a genius. <laughs> Stop. So, uh, <laughs> she, um, uh, so now there's, uh, they put the, the guy, this other guy that's supposed to be maintenance, they forced him back on night laundry, but they gave him, he does the weekends and I do the weekday. But so I send a note and do five days. That's too many days in here. It's too much work and too many days. I just need part-time days. So you got to put it in writing. That's okay. So I applied for another job and I got the job. I'm just waiting on my um, start date. So, um, I could turn in my notice and die, yay. But um, the whole, and then I think it's about you, that's what I'll call it, because I know it's not a safe environment, you know, still there. Like every day is some drama. And just like uh, this morning, there's this guy called Caucasian male, looks just like a, a skinhead. He's been, he's sitting there for hours in the lobby. He, it, it, but why are you in the lobby? So, because we have no security, no one's fixing the doors. We have people sleeping in the halls, in the stairways. Someone else requested yesterday, she called the district manager because we had to put this Caucasian lady out of the uh, hall. She's in the, literally in the stairway with her phone charged, laid out, sleep. So, we're escorting her out of the hotel, or trying what she is, the, um, the, the one out that relieves me. She's slapping her hand. Hey, get up. You got to get out of here. And so the Caucasian lady is very agitated that you would speak to her in that tone, homeless or not. And so she's, well, I'm waiting on my friend. Yeah, waiting on no friend. And so she does all this stuff, and then she goes down, and she's going to go sneak and go another direction. She's like, no, all the way out the door. Get out. All the way out the door. So we're walking her all the way out the door. So she's going to stop and get her some coffee and breakfast. She's like... Oh, no, out the door. I can't hear any coffee. No coffee. Get out. And so now she's like, so she stands out in the front for a while. But this is just the kind of people that we attract. And since they're white, 
they figure that they still should be respected regardless of their conditions. And it's just, I'm just glad that I get to get out of there because I didn't know how I was going to get out of there without getting a job first. So that's my workplace racism. And thank you for taking my call. Wow. That's, uh, uh, I feel same thing with, with Thomas in New York. Just sorry that you have to be in such an unsafe and dangerous environment. And uh, I, I just can't overstate that because I know for a lot of uh, victims of white supremacy, and this is our mom in the Bay Area, uh, that for a lot of victims and especially attempted parents, like, you know, just trying to, to do the best that we can, particularly with job situations, racists, a lot of times they make it difficult for us to get, you know, quality employment or get the hours that we want, get the schedule that we want. We were just talking about get, you know, the time uh, off that we needed to, to do things that particularly things related to our children, offspring. But man, when when we get stuck in employment situations that are dangerous, like, oh man, like that's something like, whoa, this 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 just cannot be something where I allow myself or uh, allow racists to have me in this situation for a long period of time. Uh, because it's just one of those things where uh, you're having to call the police and, have, and this is not the first time uh, where you've reported with this with this same company working for these folks where someone hopped over uh, the desk, uh, creating a really dangerous situation. You didn't have your stun gun this time around. Uh, and then the woman in the hallway, like it just seems like any one of these situations, uh, all it would take is one time uh, for things to go bad and uh, just a, a really... A, a, a situation that's already dangerous, uh, where things could be way worse. Uh, just, uh, just really hoping that you're able to do everything that you can to get out, uh, pronto, uh, to get kind of things in order to get yourself in a safer, uh, situation. Cause that just, it just seems extraordinarily dangerous, uh, which is why I said the, the female that you talked about who came there and quit on the spot because it wasn't safe. That's, ex- that's the only priority. Like this place just sounds so astronomically, uh, unsafe and toxic that just exit strategy, exit strategy, exit strategy. I called in today, tonight, too. I called in at 3.30 this afternoon and said I wasn't cut because that's just too much. And then you have that 4.20 going on, and oh, no. So they're very angry, but I don't care. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the uh, the yeah. 4.20 is uh, Friday. That's, I guess, the cannabis holiday. I think 4.20 is uh, code uh, in the cannabis culture. So there'll be lots of shenanigans and annex and it's all uh, legal. The whole West coast, it's legal. So I'm sure it'll be lots and lots of very intoxicated, uh, race soldiers out, you know, doing God knows what, uh, all weekend. Uh, uh, do we have any folks who had suggestions or comments, any folks that we missed completely, uh, who had comments they want to share? I had a suggestion, Josh. Oh, let's see. Y'all hear your suggestion, Thomas, in New York. Yes. Um, and um, I feel for the uh, sister who just spoke because, you know, I, I've been listening to her over the years. We're all going through it. Um, you know, never try to explain racism to white people. You know, that's like trying to attempt to teach a fish how to swim or a bird how to fly. No, it's not Saturday. Um, questions 
always ask questions, especially when they pull you out your name. Um, Buckley? Are you calling me Buckley because I'm black? And wait for the answer. Now comes out of team. Like boys are smart. He's going to say, oh, no, I'm just joking with you. I'm just playing with you. And you say, I don't play that. And you walk away. And that, that won't happen to you. And if he says he is calling you because he's black, you just walk away and you go tell someone over you that he just said he's calling me Buckley every day because I'm black. And that makes him a racist. You know, and they, they're cold. That's why I say they're smart. They're not intelligent, but they're smart because they got that cold. He's not going to break his code. He wants to keep his cover. Um, and I think that that should be the question you ask if I was you. Uh, are you calling me Buckley because I'm black? And wait for a response. Now, you know he is, but, you know, if he says he is, then, you know, he pretty much admitted to being a racist. Always a big advocate of asking uh, questions. Always a big advocate of asking questions. Uh, other folks have, uh, or folks that we missed completely, are there folks that we have not heard from at all who had commentary they wanted to share? Do we miss anybody? Anybody that we missed uh, completely who has a hand up that we've not heard from? Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Hi. Um, this is uh, the software developer in Wisconsin. Hi, everybody on the line and Gus and everybody listening. I wanted to thank um, the Tyrus Firefighter especially uh, for his suggestion last week regarding the non-white Indian male. I did speak to him uh and he said he was unaware that anything was incorrect, but that he would try to do his best. Um, so far, there hasn't been any more conflict, uh, so that that seems to have resolved it. Um, also, there's a, a merger happening at my company, and, and there's some interesting things going on there. Um, yes, the CEO was having his monthly talk that he has, and he mentioned my name specifically. Um, while talking about the merger, and I noticed that there was um, there were some changes in racist suspects behavior of very overt racist at my job. Uh, all of a sudden, started speaking to me, started saying hello, and you know, and I just sort of blew blew him off. And today, he wanted to talk about the homeless, and I was just like, yes, that's unfortunate, and kept it moving. But I've been noticing um, some different behavior so I'm, I'm i'm going to continue observing that behavior and uh, hopefully i'll have some better updates um but yeah i just wanted to thank retired firefighters especially because that that did speaking directly to that person really helped to clear that up and um that's it i'll, I'll mute my line now thank you Spectacular. Love to hear it. Solving problems. I think retired firefighter has reiterated that uh, a few times over the past month or so, probably years, but definitely I think I've heard him uh, really making a point of saying that, you know, just us talking uh, directly about what it is that we want to happen if we want, you know, a person to stop doing something or if something needs to be done, but uh, just, you know, getting 
uh, the courage to speak. I know I've heard him say specifically getting the courage to speak directly uh, to whites on the job. In this situation, you were having difficulties with a non-white, non-black person, but the same emphasis being direct about what it is that we want to happen or addressing a problem. Absolutely. Uh, other folks, anybody we missed totally? Anybody that has a, a hand up that we've not heard from at all who does have a hand up? May I be heard? Yes, sir. May I be heard? Yes, sir. We can hear you. Okay. Uh, this is Drew from the North Carolina wing of the plantation. Uh, greetings, everyone. Um, I'd like to say um, in regards to the international travel, uh, I, always, I would always keep in mind that I'm a guest in that country and um, just um, always be on code and um, certainly avoid any drinking and um, socializing when you're drinking, especially with um, suspected racists. Um, I also want to um, say that um, FMLA, uh, the Family Medical Leave Act, is not um, necessarily a prevention for uh, black people losing their employment. I've been um, terminated from two positions uh, in the span of about 10 to 15 years while on FMLA, Family Medical Leave, um, for absences. My um, suspected racist supervisors claimed that I did not give them notice while I was actually on leave um, for a period of time. And they, they had known about it. But I think it was just an opportunity for them to um, uh, terminate me from the position. And being in North Carolina, the courts are very conservative. So um, I did not uh, avail any success um, pursuing illegal um, uh, pursuits. So I think um, whites certainly um, see that the laws did not apply to black people. Um, my supervisor, and in one of the positions, I was actually working for for the government. <laughs> so that um, uh, you you would think that I would have some um, some some type of legal standing, um, especially while using FMLA um, to uh, protect my position, but it did not turn out that way. My supervisor, and, and I was in a management position uh, where I was supervising about 60 people when this happened the first time. Uh, and the second time, I'm an engineer, uh, so I'm, uh, I'm working in a professional environment and, and in both of those cases, and it did not help me um, at all. My supervisor, in fact, the director of the department in the first position, um, actually physically threatened me while we were having a discussion with the human resources, which she pretended not to hear later when I confronted her in her, in her office about it. Uh, needless to say, he, uh, he was at his retirement point uh, with about 30 years. They allowed him to retire, but then brought him back on in a temporary position uh, in the same role where he again uh, wrote me up and put me on probation. Uh, so it's, um, 
just extremely uh, difficult um, uh, just being in, um, working in, uh, for these suspected racists. And with regard to um, uh, someone mentioned about um, when you're going into your performance review and your supervisor's bringing up all of these comments, one of the things I think um, black people should do, if we're going to be in these positions, if we're going to work um, in an employment situation uh, with suspected racists, that we should be a little bit more pro- proactive. Uh, maybe you can schedule every three months or every six months, however you like, uh, to have a sit-down review with your supervisor and ask them, what areas do you think I need to improve in? What areas am I deficient? Where am I not turning in work, if that's the case, or what's going on? So you can have that information when you do go into your performance review. Uh, So that's all I wanted to add, and thank you again for the program. Absolutely. I definitely appreciate any suggestions that are uh, suggesting uh, being preemptive uh, in dealing with things where you can request a meeting and ask some of those. And going back to asking questions, what are some of my deficiencies? Is there any additional training available for me? Uh, Other folks who uh, that we if anybody we missed completely, is anybody we've not heard from at all? Maybe her. Yes, ma'am. Is that uh, Ivy? It is. Greetings, Gus, and greetings to all the callers on the line. Uh, I wanted to say to the to our uh, codified software developer, um, I'm very happy to hear that you that the things are are going well for you because you sound uh, the last time that you spoke about your situation, you sound determined, committed to showing this uh, the the Indian male your coworker. Um, as much compassion as you can uh, within reason. And I find that to be highly commendable. Um, And uh, so I'm just glad that it's uh, working out for you right now, and I hope that it continues. Um, I had a question for two different people, and I'll start with with Red in Nevada, if she's still on the line. I wanted to ask her, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the race soldier is, you know, backing off of her and, and, and minimizing contact with her. Um, I wanted to ask her, um, is the problem still somewhat going on? Because I thought that she said that um, the, the the race soldier called her by herself and intentionally mispronounced her name again. And I don't know if you said, if you said what you, how you re- responded to that, if you corrected her or if you just didn't say anything at all. And I wanted to know how she even responded to that. Um, if you understood my question, if you're still on the line. She's still with us. Red in Nevada might not be with us. She might have uh, exited for a moment. Uh, if she okay, well, brings back in, we'll, we'll get her to nab your question. Okay, my other question was for Thomas in New York. Um, man, Thomas, I'm so tired of this race soldier too. Um, coming at you just the way that you know that you that that you you spoke about. Um, and she's been doing this for a long time. It's just it's just deplorable the way that she uh, speaks to you. And so my question is, and and first of all, I commend you for just your your mental and emotional strength. 
of just not letting it get to you uh, the way that you could, and I'm sure the way that I would. Um, my question is, is there any way that you can report her, or is she the one, uh, she the main person, you know, that everybody reports to, to uh, just get this resolved, to get some respect, because it's it's very also very un, unprofessional the way that she speaks to you. I mean, it's it's just it's ridiculous. So yeah, if, if uh, Thomas in New York is still on the line. She talks to everybody the same way except for her boss, who's the owner. And when I'm doing this, I'm, she's doing it in front of him. I know he can hear it because his office door is always open and he's right there. I'm looking at him and, you know, he's always just typing away, but he has to be able to hear it. So if she's been there all these years and she talks to everyone like this, especially the people who are not white, yeah, uh, it's no one I could go to. In fact, the lady who does human resources, one day I needed to fill out some paperwork. So she's across the street in another office. So I went over there. I got to go over there twice a day to check on them and everything. And um, she was like, um, sit down. And as I was sitting there, that she called her. And she yelled at me. She, said, oh. she had to just said something real smart and hung the phone up. And she was just standing there holding the phone like, attitude and she hung the phone up is we went ahead and did whatever I needed to do so she has car blanche to do what she wants okay oh, and so uh, I got another story LV listen to this one guys so the guy who I took his place he's a Dominican brother um a light real light-skinned Dominican though um but he's you know Dominican and um so he's been helping me out you know training me but he has another position he moved up so you know, I'm pretty much on my own now. I've been on my own for a while, but, you know, for at first he was training me and he was telling me um, some things. So when she went in on this cutting board, he came over and said, you know, well, her problem is she's an alcoholic. So I said, how do you know that? So he said, oh, man, one day she asked me to help her move. He said, so I went to her house and they had all this furniture and stuff to move, man. They had a U-Haul truck, and we had to bring it to a new apartment and carry it up all these stairs. He said, but the whole time, her and her husband just fought and drunk. And he said he had to, at one point, stand between them. And she threw a glass at him and everything. And, you know, and at the end of that, they gave him $100. Oh, wow. Context of white supremacy. Hmm. Benjamin, indeed. Anybody that we missed completely? Anybody have a hand up that we have not heard from at all? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, um, I just had a, a suggestion when it comes to the reviews, and I, I agree with the, the previous caller who was saying that you should um, probably be a little bit proactive, but one of the things that, that has worked for me is that every week I document what I've done. So um, no matter what you do, it's like um, I moved these many widgets or I did this many things or whatever. Um, and it makes it a lot easier when you get into those reviews to have um, like numbers to, to be able to say that, yeah, I've, you know, in the past six months I've done this much I've done X, Y, and Z. Um, and if that doesn't work, you can always use that when it's time to look for another plantation because you already have the documentation there and it makes it easier to write a resume. 
So that's that's something that's worked for me. And uh, I'll meet my line. Being proactive, love it. Uh, anybody else that we missed completely? Anybody else have a hand up that we have not heard from at all? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, yes. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. I have uh, uh, quite a bit of incidents, uh, so I'll just get straight to it. The first is uh, there was two different um, conversations that occurred uh, because a part of my job is if someone is coming in to review over a physical file with documents in it, it could be like maybe like an attorney or something like that from a law firm. Uh, there's a, like an older white woman on the first one. Uh, as she was viewing like the file, she went into like telling a, a story about how locally in our city where you had in hospitals where uh, like females were given birth. She said that I guess it was reported to her that they had bathrooms, I guess, separate bathrooms for, I guess, like mothers to be and like the terms that was used was white, was white lady, black women. That's uh, those were the two terms she said were used on these bathrooms throughout the hospital, but this it's no longer in existence. But it was an older hospital back like in the 40s and 50s. So she said, um, I believe white lady, black women. So I I never had heard of that before. That was one uh, incident. Uh, the second one was. A few days ago, there was another lady from a law firm viewing a file. So, you know, out of nowhere, she starts saying, uh, yeah, you know, this property right here, this parcel number, this uh, apparently is associated with property that used to be, I guess, held by a slave owner or something like that. And I said, oh, really? And she says, yeah. Uh, because the file was from 1973 and it was a four volume file. And she was also mentioning something about, uh, you know, a free slave having property too. And then she went into talking about, yeah, you know, this County has a very prejudiced history and uh, they used to lynch people. Okay. Now the context is this is me and this person my white coworker and my black supervisor, no other customers now, this uh, straight quietness. And this is just a plain conversation. She going into this much depth talking about this. And I say, yeah, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did remember hearing about a, a, a few lynchings, you know, not saying lynchings is funny or whatever, but I did hear about a few lynchings here in the, downtown near the, the old courthouse. And she said, yeah, it's just uh, very saddening that people can just look at you and just say that something's wrong with you because of your skin color. 
And uh, I can just only imagine what it was like. And then she pauses and says, well, you know, I am Mexican, as though she was trying to disqualify herself from, um, you know, being white or something. Because I'm not sure. I don't think the person was white myself. But it was interesting that she interjected that because uh, this was an older person, apparently. Um says, yeah, he wasn't even born in 1973. I said, no, I said, I was born in 86. So, you know, she's going into detail. And then a white coworker, she's looking over and she has the most uh, uncomfortable look on her face. Like, I think she was trying to see how I was going to react. Uh, and the person ended up, I guess, uh, giving me, you know, my uh, supervisor a like a compliment about me, I guess, I guess, um, with how I handled or dealt with that situation. Uh, but as far as the, the next, the next, uh, situation was, there was a, um, there was a lady, a supervisor, like walking back to, uh, the civil area. She's a supervisor in juvenile. Okay. And, I think she just had knee surgery and uh, she was on crutches going back through the, uh, the you can press the handicap button to go through the doors and the, the old suspected race soldier, you know, he was like, Hey, uh, <laughs> she said, she says you attacked her, you know? And I guess he's supposed to consider himself cause they love to, to, uh, to say and do things in the guise of joking. So I said, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. Says, you you know, she says you, you attacked her and she turns around and, you know, she's looking and smiling and she says, yeah, I'm headed back. And they're all, they are all over here attacking me. All of the ladies are cause there's women on the other side. So I said, I have nothing to do with that. So, you know, I just kept on walking and, uh, and I guess he just went back to sound. So, basically uh like another incident of trying to um criminalize me because i have melanin i'm not a white person so and what's more significant is that this person is associated with law enforcement uh and i did get pulled over um by the sergeant of the building and he ended up shaking my hand (laughs) you know because i showed him my badge i said yeah you know i was just trying to get to work he told me to step out of the car, um, and I did. You know, I, I had did something incorrect. I had like tried to drive around this this uh, truck, and it was a, it was a white person. He was going really slow, uh, but I was in the wrong for that. But you know, he had let me go with a warning or whatever. But uh, it's, I had one last incident. Like I had to go to the post office today, um, and it was a, a wicked metaphor that was used. And like the the context of this is just astounding. Um, it's okay. Like I went to the counter and it was a white person, and I, I said I needed this passport uh, scanned in the priority mail envelope. So you know, I just said, well, I said, how's the day going or whatever. And he says, you know, it's it's been a beautiful day. Uh, you know, I, I did get talked to today. I guess he meant by a supervisor, and. Um, he said, you know, I need to do a lot better. 
as far as my numbers, I guess, uh, productivity and customers and whatnot. And it's a black male that's standing next to him. Okay. Um, Bruce. Okay. And this guy's name is Timmy. Uh, and Bruce is a black male. Now, uh, you know, you're saying, well, you know, I, at least I'm not, I don't suck as much as Bruce. Okay. And it's him and Bruce at the counter. And, you know, he started, you know, giggling or whatever. And, uh, and he say, you know, as long as the numbers are good, you know, I do my best to get better. But I'm just a little bit better than Bruce. And he says, you know, it's like, it's like a swimming or out swimming an alligator. He say, you know, you you don't have to just out swim the alligator. It's not really about out swimming the alligator. It's about out swimming the slowest swimmer. And then I said. <laughs> I said, wait a minute. So you're saying like the person who's swimming the slowest, that's the person who's going to get eaten by the alligator. So that's the analogy he used. And, you know, apparently I'm assuming in that example, the black male was the slowest swimmer. And then, you know, also of, you know, historically with slavery and um, babies being fed to alligators. I know people have heard of that uh, down here in Florida. So that was, um, a very uh, sharp act of racism for him to use that metaphor. Uh, and that's all of the examples I have for now. And thanks for allowing me to share. Going down at the Florida courthouse, indeed, context of white supremacy. Uh, the the Ragsdales, uh, J. Justin Gwen Ragsdale, the Black, uh, the African Holocaust Museum, uh, it's in Philadelphia, I believe, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, uh, their museum. Uh, they've talked about that. They have artifacts, uh, the black infants that were uh, fed, killed, uh, but fed to alligators down in areas like Florida where whites uh, bragged about this practice for years and years and years. Uh, we talked about it when they've uh, been guests on the program. Uh, I was going to say, I think uh, black people in your part of the world uh probably a number of black people have been castrated, neutered for doing a lot less than trying to pass a white man on the road or white woman on the road. Uh, and in fact, I was reminded of Isabel Wilkerson, the warmth of other sons, because Florida is one of the areas that she focuses on. She said that was a codified aspect of white supremacy racism. It was illegal for black people to pass a white person on the road, regardless, solid line, dotted line, whatever it is, it was illegal uh, for white. If that white man wanted to drive slow, well, then you just better uh, slow on down and, and hope that he turns off sometime soon. Other than that, you'll just be cruising to your destination. Um, the conversation bit where racism, man, I could have sworn white people were ignorant about racism. For this person to just be waxing eloquently about the history of lynching Negras in the great sunshine state of Florida, like, wow, it sounds like they have some expertise on this subject matter. And if they want to chit chat, hey, I would just let them roll. You can just do exactly what you did. I think Emmy talked about that last week. Just, hey, if you bump into a suspected racist on the job and they just want to chit chat and show off how much they know about racism or their views on white supremacy racism, let them talk.
can learn a lot about what it means to be white. Uh, sounds like he did a great job. Even the whites complimented. I mean, wow, <laughs> they can be talking about lynchings and even the whites are complimentary of how you dealt with the subject matter, uh, just being codified and not surprised. That's another one I think to pay attention to as well about uh, consistently being criminalized in the workplace, these little random incidents where they'll say that they're just making a joke or, or whatever the case is, because that's the way that uh, these uh, at least the ones that I can recall that you shared before, uh, that it's a joke. It's in the guise of them just being funny. I would really be mindful of that. And, and particularly if the pattern is you are always some sort of thug criminal in their jokes, your white coworkers, colleagues jokes. Uh, and I guess the last one would just be, yeah, with that, somebody does encourage paying attention to metaphors. Whites often can reveal a lot. Uh, sometimes they are being deceptive and racist. Sometimes they are really giving you a great window into their thinking about you as a black person, Negro. Did the, or I guess before I transition, do you think the black person, was it Bruce? Do you think Bruce caught what was being articulated in that metaphor that he's supposed to be gobbled up by the alligator? I guess, meaning if, if anybody's going to be terminated, it'll be Bruce that gets a pink slip, not uh, Timmy. See, now nah, see, that's interesting because I was because sometimes I go up to to Bruce, but Bruce was helping somebody, and sometimes I go up to Timmy, but Timmy just happened to be the one that was open. So um, you know, I spoke to Bruce. I was like, "What's going on now?" Um, and uh, Timmy, he was he started saying this as Bruce was he was occupied helping the customer, so. I'm not sure if he was fully attentive uh, in, in terms of listening to what he said fully in context. I think he he may have been, he went behind the counter. So uh, he was speaking as though maybe he has heard him say something like that before. But the thing that was more significant was that Bruce, like he doesn't even like work up there the whole day. And, you know, this the the white guy, Timmy, was saying that, the supervisor spoke to him and saying that he needs to improve more. And he's barely over Bruce, but Bruce wasn't even up there the whole day like Timmy is. So Timmy's work ethic has is, is got to be horrible. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> that would not surprise me at all. A lazy white person who is looking to get over by blaming or somehow getting a black person to get in trouble on the job instead of them. I feel like I might have heard that once or twice or eight times uh, through the history of workplace racism. Just maybe. Uh, if other folks, did we did we miss anybody? Anybody that we missed totally? Have a hand up that we've not heard from. Gus, can I give my update? Let's hear your update, Stacy. Great, sorry. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, sometimes I don't say hello. Um, apologies for that. Um, it's just I'm operating on a different time clock, so please forgive me. Um, I was listening. To I think it was Red in Nevada who was talking about the person who tried to break in, and um, it did remind me of uh, a situation at work and, and and just in general an observation, which I guess is probably not as um, 
you know, is, is more obvious than perhaps I'm giving everybody credit for. It's just that, you know, clearly nobody should be left to be vulnerable in any way in the workplace, but there just seems to be complete disregard or expectation that in, for black females um, and what we're supposed to endure or be able to endure, especially when it comes to physical safety, which... I just don't believe would be the case for everyone. Um, and I had the, the building that I work in gets used as a polling station um, from time to time. And there was an election taking place and staff were given the opportunity to volunteer. Now, I'm sure there are people who get paid extra for um, getting involved and helping out with the the elections. And in the past, it was standard that if you worked on the elections, you would be um, given additional pay. But it seems to be now that staff are given the opportunity and that it comes to volunteer. And I did actually put myself forward. Um, I don't really have any need for... Uh, election experience on my CV. It's not something I plan to do in the future, but I was just interested to get involved and to, to you know, see how it works from the opposite side. Um, now, we're given different shifts that we can work on, um, and obviously with elections, they can go on into the early hours. So I had been allocated... Um, the last shift, and that could have, um, or rather an evening shift, which would have run from anything up until either, say, 10.30 at night if if things worked to deadline, or early hours of the morning if the count were, you know, they needed to do recounts. And so they do offer taxi service. Um, but depending on when you are released, will be it, it, you know they would determine whether or not they would give you a taxi or whether you would be expected to make your way home in public transport. And you know we did a lot of, sort of pre meetings and training beforehand, but they hadn't clarified what time people were going to be released, and so therefore what your travel arrangements were going to be. And I was very specific, you know, that I would want to get taxi home because I'm not going to travel home in the dead of night on my own. And there was some toing and froing and umming and ahhing, and, you know, they weren't quite sure whether they could do it or not or even give me a time for when I was going to be released. Um, and this went up right up until probably a couple of days before the election. And in the end, I just emailed them and said, look, if you can't give me a deadline or a time for when you're going to release me and guarantee me that if you release me at a certain time that I'm going to be given a taxi, then I'm afraid I'm not going to be able to um, help out. And they were still up and annoying. And there was a black female who was involved in the administration of it and she did come to me afterwards and she said oh you know I was fighting your corner you know because I understood that you wanted to be, you know you were be, you were worried about your safety and whatever and that you know and I appreciated her my uh, you know her assistance but in my head I was thinking I didn't need you to fight my corner because ultimately this is volunteer work either they're going to pay my taxi fare or they're not and as they couldn't give me a clear um 
um, position on whether they were going to pay my taxi or not or give me a clear indication of what time I would be leaving the building, I declined and said, good luck and hope it goes well. Um, and I guess the, the point there is that sometimes we just have to take our own safety into our own hands, in other words, you know, and, and not let these organisations abuse and abuse because ultimately, if anything had happened to me, their apology, their condolences means absolutely nothing. Um, and then just one final point. Um, obviously, I've been dealing with the grievance for some time. And to cut a long story very short, I have been kept out of the office since mid-September. That situation is still ongoing. However, today I saw somebody, I, I, I was on my way somewhere and I saw somebody who works for the same organisation and she lives near me, so I guess she was using the same train station. And I don't work on the same floor as her and I don't see her very often because there's over 500 staff in the organisation. So, you know, you don't really see people very often. And the design of the building means that you're less likely to bump into people. However, we have worked for the same organisation for over 10 years. Um, and in the course of our jobs, I've never, ever had to contact her about any matters and vice versa. So even though we see each other, we may say hello from time to time. You know, our, our jobs just do not overlap. And I did. She didn't actually see me at first, as so she was head down in a in newspaper. Um, but as I wanted some information, I mean, my code now is not to really get into any kind of discussion with anybody in the workplace about anything. But it was uh, because I'm out of the office, and there was something I wanted to know. I kind of engaged her in a conversation beyond hello and um, I guess that gave her the opportunity to ask me what team I'm in now and I was a little taken aback because as I said our jobs just do not overlap and I don't see her there's no reason for her to know anything about me um, you know and certainly not in terms of what team I'm in and there's no reason for her to think that I should there should there be for her to think that I am I've changed teams. She did say, oh, you know, because there's all sorts of restructures going on in the organisation, so I was just wondering. Um, and I just, you know, I just I just gave a non-answer but um, and then continued with the conversation and then said goodbye and went down to um, a different part of the platform. But the point I'm trying to make there is, and I have no qualms about this female because uh, she's she's absolutely fine. She's a non-white female. She's, she's not a... a you know, she's not a trifling person or anything, but it just indicated to me just how much we are observed in organisations. And I don't think she's observing me, but certainly how much, if you think you're not being talked about, you are. And there was, as I said, we've worked in the same organisation for over 10 years. We've never had to have a conversation about work, about projects or anything, because our jobs are so distinct. Um, but I'll beat my line there, Gus. Stacy in the UK, Friday, April 20, they have their 420 early over there, uh, 3.40 a.m. Uh, and I think that's always a really important reminder anywhere in the world. We've had people call in for workplace racism, Ireland, South, uh, South Korea, 
the UK, Canada, all over. Uh, I wouldn't care what your position is, uh, or how much, uh, how many zeros you get on your income. You are under surveillance, and you should just function in that manner at all times. I think Thomas in New York, when Stacy was sharing, Thomas in New York talked about uh, the white woman in the setting where she would ask him questions about what he's doing and his workload and what have you, where he was not, you know, working with her at all, but she would come with all of these questions. That's typical. That's standard. Like if I am white system of racism, white supremacy, I'm supposed to be checking on observing my niggers, making sure they're in check. That's how we maintain domination over black people for centuries, non-white people in the planet for centuries uh, to just really keep that in mind. Uh, at all times. And I really appreciate that codification about, hey, I'm mindful about what I say at work. I am not just engaging in idle chit chat and long conversations. I don't do that on the job. Intelligent. Uh, anybody that we missed uh, caller in Brooklyn, did you have uh, commentary? caller in Brooklyn did you have commentary or are you just listening sir assume they might just be listening we have uh, about 15 minutes left in the broadcast so please do not dally if you have a question comment that you need to get in before the broadcast concludes you should speak now uh, did Oh, is this Stacey? Did you have something you wanted to add? Yeah, sorry, Gus. I was just going to say, um, I forgot to um, add when I was talking about the um, them not paying my taxi fare. Um, I found out months later that the senior managers that were there, they all paid for themselves to stay in hotels overnight. So they couldn't pay my taxi fare, but they all got paid. To st- they all paid for expensive, ta- um, sorry, not taxi fare, it's hotel um fees and where i work is in an expensive part of the city so you're not going to get some cheap um holiday accommodation uh, hotel accommodation um but yeah they couldn't pay my taxi fare so i i can basically you know get travel home late hours of the night get murdered whatever um so long as the senior managers are in uh hotels um I guess the important thing to to reiterate is um, about having self-respect and not letting people take liberties with you. I'm Mika Langas. Here, here. Excuse me. Deserves to be uh, reiterated. uh, Having black self-respect to to really uh, prioritize your safety uh, and just already having that in mind uh, that the whites that you work with, and it might even be non-white people that you work with, even if you work with black people sometimes, they might not value your safety either. We are in a system of white supremacy. You need to make sure that you have supreme value for your safety, and if it looks like that's being compromised, hey, this needs to be addressed immediately and urgently. Uh, Any other folks have uh, commentary they want to get in? Suggestions? I have a question for you, Gus. Let's hear it. Because you left us hanging, and I just want to know, what did you do to this poor white lady at yoga class that caused her to make an uproar 
Uh, I'm just very curious. You got to at least tell us a little something, guys. Now, see there, that's exactly what happens in the system of white supremacy. It is always assumed that the black person is the maldoer, the culprit, that you had to do something to this poor, fragile white woman. You had to do something to her. It couldn't be that... Nope, Gus did not do a thing. Uh, Gus was violated repeatedly uh, by this white woman. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, that's why I say it's such a, a long story uh, that unfolded over a whole class and days. And anyway, yeah, Gus did not do anything. Absolutely nothing. I was violated uh, repeatedly by this race soldier. Uh, I guess. This incident maybe would not have happened if Gus had just remained silent and not said anything and just taken her abuse uh, like a a good little uh, victim. But since I did not respond that way, it escalated uh, dramatically uh, where I thought, you know, enforcement officials might be called uh, at some point. But, you know, I was a victim through and through and uh, just use some counter-racist codification to make sure that I responded. I was not going to be victimized and black self-respect demanded that I not just be victimized and, you know, not say anything. I had my counter-racist shirt. I pulled it out to remind myself and them, Hey man, this is gusty, man. This race soldier is, is not going to, uh, yeah, we will explain all that in detail too long to give you the quick version. That goes to the complexity of the system, Gus. Because here you are in um, Seattle where it's not a lot of black people at all. And um, you can have a tid with a white woman and no law enforcement gets called. And in a city like Philly with over 700,000 black people, you can't even sit in a Starbucks. Oh, the police for sure could have been, like I said, I'll explain later. The police for sure could have been called, uh, certainly it is a dice roll anytime that you have to raise your voice with a white person in a public place. Like, oh, yeah, I have replayed it in my mind many times. Buddy, police easily could have been called by her or I. Any other comments folks had they wanted to get in? Can I be heard? Retired firefighter. Yes, sir. I just wanted to say welcome to the uh, uh, the lady who uh, commented on some uh, suggestions that I made. Uh, just would like to add on that uh, a lot of the suggestions I make are based on on uh, trial and error, the many mistakes that I made during those uh, 27 to 28 years. And uh, just like to uh, uh, give uh, some insight uh, to about the quote unquote white firefighter uh, in general, from my experiences, uh, they get on the job because they like to put out fires. They like to start fires. Sometimes that's actually a strategy to uh, putting out a fire that you start other fires. It's uh, talking about grass fires. Uh, uh, They love the excitement and the danger of a job, even at the risk of their own lives. And they are in the 
practice of saving the life of a non-white black person. Uh, we can just figure out that primarily most of those type of calls are going to be in areas where non-white black people are forced to stay at uh, because of the, uh, the buildings are not up to code or, you know, poorly uh, in poor condition. Uh, also from the standpoint uh, in saving, a, let's say, a child's life uh, from drowning, uh, which doesn't happen a whole lot, but nevertheless, uh, uh, there is a, a tendency that uh, because people don't have pools, non-white people don't have pools uh, because of the affordability and even uh, like where I stay at, uh, pools are being, public pools are being closed. So you have a lot of people that don't know how to swim. Uh, so those are the areas where they are going to get that type of uh, uh, practice. And in turn, uh, out of it, uh, they get a lot of glory <laughs> out of it. They get a lot of glory. And also it's opt for future uh, position. Uh, but that same person would uh, practice racism to uh, the public and and come right back to that fire station and practice racism white supremacy on a daily basis. That's the uh, psychotic behavior in general of white people, period, you know, to, to be uh, quite honest with, with, uh, with the analysis. Uh, that's their general activity. It just so happens that uh, just mentioned some uniquenesses of that particular uh, 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 employment. And that's all I have to say. Thank you. Appreciate that, retired firefighter. I think that was a uh, caller in Wisconsin who was appreciative of your suggestion, helped her navigate some of her workplace uh, trauma difficulties. Uh, anybody else have a comment they needed to get in before we get ready to wrap things up? Final comment? Yes, ma'am. I wanted to say uh, to you, Gus, that I'm sorry that you had to go through uh, what you had to go through just being terrorized by the race soldier. And I wanted to say to um, to Stacy that I commend you for just sticking out this, this job ordeal uh, for either a year or over a year. It just seems like they have just tried to, have been trying to, just stall you out to make you quit or drop the report that they're calling uh, a grievance and just even thank you for the sacrifice that you make to stay up so late to um, share your situations because it's, it's very helpful. Um, I've said before that this program, in my, in my view, is the most constructive of, of all uh, programs and of all of um, Gus's programs because it really helps you to see how white people work because you're spending such a um, significant um, amount of time with them over five, over about five uh, hours a day, over like five days a week. And so, you know, you get to see all these patterns and then for Stacy to share hers, being able to see them um, from a different part of the world, it just really shows how they work um, just period and, and globally. So I just wanted to say that and I'll be on my line. Thanks everyone. Thanks Gus. Indeed. <clears throat> Hi, Gus. Can I come back on that? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, no, thank you to Ivy. I really do appreciate the comments. But, um, you know, equally, 
it's been um, uh, it's uh, have, having this show and being able to share has been a way of me being able to deal with a lot of what has gone on and that they you know there is clearly a strategy to how situations get managed and the treatment and I don't wish this experience on anyone um and you know at some point when it is all over it will be more uh, a, a more convenient time to go into the detail and given that it's gone for over a year it will be a lot to share so I'm kind of thinking through how I can relay that back because even though I'm not in the same part of the world as has been noted many times over there are similarities and there are many 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 lessons that I've learned in this whole process that you know I do think it's important to share because um, irrespective of the different regions of the world there are patterns has been said to how they operate and I think that you know as well as hopefully helping anybody who's going through the same situation helping people avoid going you know being in the same position I hope will be invaluable to people as well I'll meet my line Gus indeed you can write a book uh Olivia Ebanks she's in uh, you're a part of the world, England. She wrote a book about her workplace racism experience, Almost British, uh, where she tried to do just that, share a lot of lessons. We had her husband on the program uh, back in 2011. They practiced racism against her after the book's public, uh, publication, her job did. But yeah, I think that would be super helpful uh, and perhaps even cathartic to help process uh, what's what's taken place uh, over the last year, year plus with this whole ordeal. Uh, any any final comments folks need to get in before we conclude? Everybody satisfied? We didn't miss anybody. We'll be here tomorrow. The Hate You Give, Angie Thomas. Uh, I think it's session number seven. We have two sessions left and we should be all done. Angie Thomas the hate you give 8 p.m. Eastern 5 p.m. Pacific tomorrow evening uh, Saturday we'll be here for the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific wowie what a week context of white supremacy uh, last check any any final comments questions folks need to get in everybody satisfied I wanted to quickly say that I wish Stacy and Thomas in New York the best and that's it I'm Mark here, here. Second that as well. Everyone else good? Soon I just want I want to know what you um thought of that um article um how those extra points were added in a little later. Um the police came and removed them. They didn't even get a chance to finish their birthday cake. They didn't even get a chance to cut it. Uh it does not surprise me uh at all. Uh that's you know, I was uh, saying about my own situation, like any time uh, where it, it becomes like a big public uh, dispute spectacle uh, type of thing, Voltron effect. Uh, Mr. Fox over in Stacy's part of the world in England uh, has been patiently requesting uh, that Gus write up. What exactly do you mean when you say the Voltron effect? So people uh, know what the concept is uh, clearly without confusion. Uh, if other whites, particularly 
armed whites with badges, if they have to be called to the scene, you should just automatically assume that they are not going to uh, support you regardless of what has happened. I mean, you could have, you know, be bleeding, have an appendage hanging from you, like anything. You should not assume if other whites come that, oh, yes, what has happened to you, my dark fellow? How can I help you? Can we give you CPR? Can... No. Uh, you. I mean, that is the system of white supremacy, so it doesn't surprise me. I'm glad those additional details uh, were included about, you know, them them being treated as the criminals, uh, as the maldoers and ejected. They didn't get to enjoy the birthday cake. I did think that was kind of curious as well. I don't think of Hooters as an environment for a three-year-old's birthday party, if I got the details correct. But uh, I, guess, I guess I would conclude... Victims guaranteed qualified VGQ, you know, for wherever you want to have your birthday party. But I guess I would say if you don't understand racism, white supremacy, it makes space for that sort of thing. Uh, when you don't understand racism, white supremacy, it, it allows for a lot of confusion and potentially a lot of hazardous, dangerous situations. Not to say that if they had picked uh, someplace else for the birthday party, uh, you know, wherever the popular hangout place for birthday parties is. Uh, not to say that it couldn't have happened there. Certainly could have. You got even a uh, racist man, racist woman, and racist child, I often say. But certainly, uh, I think whites and alcohol, in my view, increases the likelihood for that sort of behavior. I think Hooters is known as an establishment that does serve uh, spirits, as they say. Everybody good? Anything else? Wish you the best too, Gus, with your uh, with the race soldier and with yoga. That's it. Indeed, indeed. Uh, whites have a full army. Uh, so, yeah, I thought about that repeatedly as well. Uh, I think when things went down, I was the only black person in the class. So, yeah, thought about that repeatedly. They didn't even have to. They could have just locked the door and dealt with things that way. Anyway, uh, we will be here tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. The Hate You Give, Angie Thomas's uh, book, two sessions, and we are all done. I've not enjoyed this book, but it is very important. I've said that repeatedly. You have so many children, millions, uh, reading this book, particularly black children. And the way that this book is being marketed, I think it's very important to be studied closely, especially if you have black children who might be reading this book. Thomas in New York, and I'm sure some of our other uh, listeners might be a good idea uh, to check this one out. Maybe even have your child check out a session or two if they're reading the book or what have you just as a resource to think about as they wade through the abomination that is The Hate You Give, allegedly by Angie Thomas. Other than that, thanks for everyone tuning in. Remain codified. Email again until justice at gmail.com if you want to write in or have suggestions, comments, questions, gripes. Until justice at gmail.com that said again sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy uh, particularly if whites are giving you gifts of alcohol and who knows what else definitely and that would just be gp i would not accept uh, any gifts of that sort from whites on the job i think we've talked explicitly about not accepting food from whites on the job if they do some sort of potluck or you know they feel sorry you're going out of town before you go off on your big trip to amsterdam we made you a batch of cookies throw it in the trash even if it's sealed throw it in 
the trash uh, and sobriety would be best. You don't want alcohol or anything else uh, that you that they have bought you, Dr. Welsing and many of the other folks that we esteem. They would strongly encourage us to preserve our health, our brain computers so that we can think clearly and come up with concepts, solutions to the problem. Racist man, racist woman, racist child. That's it, creator. We ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, brother. You're a victim. I'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm -hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.